do I keep doing that, Steve? TIE Piter Pilots? Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Kivecast. Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird place. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Steven B. Dem. B-Wing Fighters and B-Wing Pilot Action. 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 Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fratastic Pete. Tech support by the low ones. Sky Pilot and Steve start their ninth season by discussing the TIE Pilot with fellow podcaster Welshman Grant Criddle. Yehuda comes on to talk about famous monsters, and Ron Ari Salvatore pipes in to tell us about reused wax sculpts. Christian Gullius joins us for a bunch to lend some credibility to the whole show and explain what exactly a wood pattern is. And also, what's up with those new Ewok huts and weird Yodas? All this, and a little too much music, on the 71st Kivecast Vintage Pod. Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast number 71. Yeah, number 71, Steve. I think we decided last month we wouldn't say which month it's for, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a trend we've decided to, to let go. Give ourselves a little bit of uh, flexibility. <laughs> well, th- this is the TIE Fighter pilot episode. Right. And it's sort of the first, you know, actual figure-related episode in maybe three or four months. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. But I think we've recorded five or six podcasts in those three months. Everything's all mixed <laughs> up. Yeah, so we're, we're back on the old uh, regular programming. Yep, here in our uh, seventh year or sixth year? This is our sixth year, uh, right? Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Well, Steve, uh, one thing we're not getting this year, do you know what that is? What's that? We're not getting any podcast awards. Oh, right. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't know there were Star Wars podcast awards. I knew there were podcast awards. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I figured that you know the guys from Rebel Force Radio would get it because yeah. they have the biggest following and best production and all that stuff. But there's like... A whole podcast awards just for Star Wars podcasts. It's crazy. But you know what? This isn't on us, Steve. <laughs> this is on the Space Freaks because you're supposed to be nominated by your fans. Ah, um, all right. Which either means we don't have fans or our fans are very lazy. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, you know, it's uh, I guess that would kind of fit in line with, with us, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was it was good because on uh, I think it was on Tom Burgess. I grew up StarWars.com. Yeah, uh, Facebook account that someone said, "Hey, how come they're not nominated?" Um, so that was actually better to me than being nominated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. I, I mean, we'll see. Maybe next year, right? <laughs> yeah, well, or maybe not. <laughs> Sorry, we have a live audience of one tonight, so that that's Digby. Uh, oh, okay. He may, he may chime in every now and then. I'll try and uh, keep him at bay. But we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so we're not going to win any podcast awards. But Steve, you were at the Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is, that was my my third time going. It's still, I still feel like I really do not belong anywhere near that place, yeah. which is kind of awesome. But um, and and you made it on TV a couple more times, and 
Yeah, I, I guess so. I think we were somewhere. It's it's always like a fun Where's Waldo thing that I'm just bummed out because I it was actually honestly the first time I was sort of geeked out because Star Wars was nominated and I was really really hoping to just like have Tessa introduce me to Daisy Ridley because she'd be really good at that. Right. But we never saw her. <laughs> I was also hoping to see the droids, but like somewhere like other than on stage. But nah, it was it was still fun. It's still bizarre and strange, but. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, did you did you see a starved, half naked, bald guy with spray paint around his face? Because <laughs> uh, uh, that was the mass market film that won all the Oscars this year. Uh, <laughs> right. Ma- Mad Max is the good version of Hey, let's resuscitate an old franchise. Yes. Uh, and yes. Star Wars was was not the winner. <laughs> no, yeah, it so, was. It was. You know, it's it deserved those awards though. Man, that movie was pretty pretty crazy. It's yes. just tough to tough to compete. Yes, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> but and then I actually, Steve was very sweet. In the mail, he sent me one of the Oscar programs. Um, I don't know how you <laughs> yeah. got it, but so yeah, so we we were all given one, and like so this year, uh, we brought uh, two of Tessa's cousins, and and they're like, oh, you know, we don't really need these. I'm like, I know people who would want those. <laughs> awesome. And so uh, they gave me a couple, and um, it's funny. Like at the end of the night, like I ran into my boss, and he could see me carrying like a stack of them. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing with all those? He's like, oh, I got, I got Star Wars friends that might be interested. And he's like, oh man, there's a whole like book card of them. You should just go and like wheel that out. And like, I don't know if I want to do that, but <laughs> oh, you should have. I should have. I know. In your, retrospect, uh, yeah, that could be your cash cow. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, only only gifts for friends, and I'm happy to to give the few that I had. So yeah, that was the, you know, it's, it's funny too because I have uh, you know a friend of mine worked on the on the 3d for force awakens right right and he sent me a, a shirt which is cool but then he also sent me the like the official poster um which uh, is like the one sheet or the yeah but it's like it's like see-through on the back ah um so it's like it's pretty rare it's actually hard to find that poster yeah um but it happened to be delivered to my house on a rainy day so it just got completely waterlogged no <laughs> yeah it's okay oh. it still displays in a frame um, okay but i was like Man, of all the days for it to rain and not snow. Oh, man. That's a bummer. Yeah. But do you know what I have in my right hand, Steve? What's that? Oh, nothing bad. I actually have a TIE Fighter pilot in my hand. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I rarely actually hold on to the toys when we're talking about it. But uh, yeah. I figure that's a, a pretty good way to start uh, to segue, or as I used to think, segui. Yes. Um, it's a good way to segui into our official uh, figure. So what are, are your thoughts on the TIE Fighter pilot figure, Steve? Well, it's it's funny. I always you know, compared him to the uh, the AT-AT driver a lot. And for whatever reason, I, I never paid as much attention to how different his like face looked. And I, I always kind of noticed he didn't look exactly like the TIE pilot from the films. But um, I don't know. I mean, that, that was the first comparison because they're obviously very similar and they're kind of like stout stature. Um, but then the other thing that was kind of weird to me was that it's, it's, you know, it's an Empire Strikes Back release figure, but it was the one original trilogy film where you never saw any TIE pilots. You don't see any TIE pilots in Empire Strikes Back? Not that I'm aware of. I, not that I don't think so. I think there's just the ships. Boy, yeah, I guess you might be. That's funny. Yeah. I think they would just make one shot into your shot to the cockpit. Right. No, they never did. Um, Yeah, because there's no, there's no TIE fighters on Hoth. Yeah, yeah, and then other than that, you just see them, you know, chasing through the asteroids, and you see the Tie bombers and stuff. Like, right. it is kind of weird that you never saw one of the Tie pilots in uh, in the film. But 
Yeah, it's 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 an important figure though. I mean, in terms of Star Wars, is a it's a big, you know, just like a stormtrooper, which is something else we can kind of get into. But well, um, but what I love is, I mean, just looking at it, there's several cool things about it. One, if you look at his legs, like yeah. the pants are all bunched up at his boots, and uh, it's just funny because like. Like big boots and pants suck, and it's like you always get them all bunched up. And this figure, yeah. I mean, talk about verite here. It's like you could tell he's sitting there, just walking around, like ah, oh, these pants are bunched up, and even his his <laughs> sleeves are too. Yeah, um, yeah. That's maybe something about the about the Kenner design even back then was just uh, you know pretty pretty accurate and pretty real. <laughs> I I was wondering if the Thai pilot doesn't have the biggest gulf between. Coolness of character and lameness mm-hmm. of card back. <laughs> See, I, this is interesting because I, I don't know. I kind of like the card back. I mean, it's it's that trend of like pilot figures having their, their ship featured, which I don't know. And that, that shot, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm fond of that scene from Empire Strikes Back. And I'm glad they didn't just, you know, choose some random TIE, pilot sh- or TIE fighter shot from Star Wars or like a press picture. But they actually chose something that was that movie specific, which I thought was a good... A good choice, but I don't know. I don't know. That's just me, right? Because the 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 ATAT driver is a similarly lame card back yeah, to cool right. figure. No, no, not that. I mean, no, the ATAT commander. Reverse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Because the ATAT driver, it looks cool because you see his yeah. awesome helmet. Right. Um, right. But I guess it is the closest thing to a B-wing pilot card back. <laughs> it just to me, it just doesn't read. It's just totally boring, and it's just kind of stock photo. Um, yeah. Well, but, you know, it's it's funny though. Like, like, yeah. Like if you pair, I think someone recently posted a picture of one of these carded figures paired with like the battle damage Tie Fighter, uh, the boxed version, and like seeing them together, it kind of made it click for me. Like, that's an awesome pairing because it's they're like so clearly associated. I don't know. That's that's another way to look at it. All right. Well, we're we're de- we're already starting the debates. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Um. Now, let's see, what else are we saying about the figure, Steve? Because you actually sent a lot of notes today. Oh, I did. Um, well, this is something that I know we're going to have we're gonna have Ron on later that he might be able to speak more to this. But um, I just you know brought up this old archive entry where it shows some of the uh, early uh, versions of the uh, Death Squad Commander and uh, Tusken Raider and Jawa. And it's... You know this picture of these kind of mock-up figures. The uh, what was supposedly the Death Squad commander looks awful lot like a Tie pilot. It's like a, it's like a space or adventure people figure that's kind of mocked up to look like almost like a black stormtrooper, which to me would resemble much more you know a Tie pilot than a than a Death Squad commander. But I thought that was kind of interesting to see. Like, oh, maybe maybe back then they were thinking about making that figure, but I don't know. Yeah. Did you take a look at that? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely because it. Although the sand person looks more like Z- uh, Forlom. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to say that that's a Death Squad commander at all. It looks pretty yeah. clearly like a, like a TIE fighter pilot because it's just a, a black stormtrooper. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't know. That's that's just kind of an interesting old old nugget. But um, yeah, I don't know. Well, um, it's, it's, uh, um, it's interesting too because – I was going to bring this up in the news, but yeah. Steve, as you know, I follow all the spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh oh. And in in Rogue One, the movie that's coming out uh, in December and is not supposedly right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's coming out. Um, <laughs> the master craftsman behind the most recent Godzilla movie will not deliver his product late. Um, 
But they actually have a whole bunch of black stormtroopers, and they're apparently oh. called the Death Squad. Oh, interesting. So a lot of people are mentioning, you know, oh, is this supposed to be a tribute to the Death Squad commander? Yeah. Huh. Um, but it does sort of make more sense that a black stormtrooper would be a Death Squad commander. Um, sure. As opposed to a, a British extra wearing a <laughs> a bowling a bowling uh, ball cut in half. Didn't, <laughs> who did we like? We associated that guy with someone from your life, right? Wasn't that whatever actor that was that put on that card back? Oh, geez, we must. <laughs> I don't remember. Hey, go back to whatever episode that was for whatever reference I'm referring to, which is beyond us right now yeah well that's the thing the second i put this thing out i forget everything i say that's which has been fun actually uh if you if you haven't noticed i've started putting uh our old episodes on youtube yes yeah that's yeah, awesome so um, I, I did that inspired by my girlfriend's son who watches a lot of stuff on youtube oh thought, all right well if that's the way people are ingesting media i'm currently only putting up enhanced ones and i'm only doing it sort of whenever i feel like and i do it basically sure. randomly with whatever episode i have nearby um <laughs> so there's nothing systematic about it yeah but, uh, just in yeah. case you want to like have it on the background or if it's just a different way of of watching uh, sure. and listening to the show yeah so and then you also included the the power of the force coin text oh right yeah um i don't know i just found it Kind of funny or ironic. I don't know. It's something that crazy. But... Relentless pilot of an Imperial TIE fighter who tried unsuccessfully to stop Luke Skywalker and other rebels from destroying the Death Star. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's funny because I, I guess it applies to, to two different. Well, I guess, like, if they're, they're talking about Luke, it's got to be the first Death Star, but. Right. Eventually, I mean, they, they kind of just pull the same thing again and yeah. then and then again. In, in the Force Awakens, if we want to go that far, right? But uh, it just just the the tried unsuccessfully bit I thought was kind of kind of humorous because yeah. they sound, make him sound all badass and then try instead of I don't know they could just say to try to stop Luke Skywalker. You don't have to say unsuccessfully. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's true. It's like here's your coin, loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, old Jedi Master, who tried to not get killed by Darth Vader. <laughs> he tried unsuccessfully. Tried unsuccessfully. <laughs> uh. Although, I mean, I guess he didn't really try not to get no, killed. No, no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all the troopers as far as uh, personal memories, which we almost never go into on this that's show. True. Um, all of these figures are... All the troopers were all my favorite. So the biker scout was my favorite. Stormtrooper yeah. my favorite. AT-AT right. pilot uh, mm -hmm. and and Tie Fighter pilot definitely. But yeah. when, when you say Tie pilot, what's the first thing you think of? Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I just think of the original movie. But that's that's me. You don't think of the smell of the toy? Ah. Uh, no, not with that particular figure. Really? Okay. Well, to me, it's it's a it's sort of like a famous thing steve don't you know about that in, in vintage collecting that tie pilots smell bad no i don't know if i've ever heard that yeah yeah they smell really strong and like you i even a lot of people because you know smell is the sense most associated with memory right right if you read proust at all steve you'd know that instead of gallivanting <laughs> at the oscars um so memory is most associated with smell and yeah. people like there are people who remember opening up a tie fighter figure and being like whoa and like if, you, if someone has a beater and they take it off the card because you grading is awesome or whatever you know like <laughs> it, it's a real smell 
Okay. Um, I, I think it's the blackness of the plastic. That sounds like a good Chris Trogoulias uh, question. It does. We'll have to yeah. ask him why does it smell bad. <laughs> um, All right. Well, that's, ah, never. I never heard that. Are you Are you a fan of the animals, Steve? Like the the band? Yes, Eric Burden and the Animals. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I don't say I dislike them. Okay. No. You ever heard of the song Sky Pilot? Uh, I'm sure I have. Yeah. I'm not not the title doesn't come to mind, but. Well, anyway, that that's a song that's sort of about like uh, I think it's about I don't know World War II fighters. Yeah. And I remember once because I was actually in L.A. Um, at my friend's house who lived on Cloverfield uh, Lane. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, that they were the people who lived with uh, Elijah Wood's amazingly attractive sister. Um, <laughs> Uh, alarmingly attractive. It was like I opened oh, the door and I was like, "Gah!" and I almost just had to run away. <laughs> but that, that could have just been an effect. I was wearing, a, you know, I was wearing the one ring. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we were all kind of sitting around and I was going to fly. You know, I was going to fly back to Boston. And right. as listeners may know, I'm really afraid of, of flying. And my cool hipster friends and me, I was a hipster back then. The term didn't exist. So I no, was, I no, was you safe. were... You're original. Yes. <laughs> um, they were like, oh, do you know that awesome Eric Burden song? It's about flying and like your sky. And the lyrics are, sky pilot, you'll never reach the sky. <laughs> and I remember like getting really freaked out. I couldn't sleep at night. and I had the song oh, stuck no. in my head. So I've been thinking of Thai pilot, tying that in with sky pilot. So, okay. so first I'm going to insert here uh, the version by the animals. Okay. Now that they've heard that, Steve, yes, earlier today when I was supposed to be preparing my lesson, it's the day before spring break, so I get to kind of chill out because none of my students are going to be there tomorrow anyway. Oh, see, um, it's perfect jam session time now. Yes. I recorded my song, Thai Pilot. About a Star Wars figure, make it a category. 2016. Kanye, Sky for President, 2020. Let's get this going. Yeah, you're just gonna have to assume, Steve. That was great. Oh, I, uh, I'm eagerly awaiting that. <laughs> and that's even before the Sky Coop. That's too no. much skyness. Um, so, so first of all, we have to. Um, Chris Joglius is a little bit high maintenance. He asked me to text him a 10-minute warning. Okay. So he'd be online. So I'm going to do that. So why don't you get your right. uh, script flip together? Do you have a script flip? I, I do. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, what's up with Peter Mayhew? Uh, I don't know. What's up with Peter Mayhew? 
Oh. Uh, Did I miss something? Oh, he's releasing pictures of the 1978 oh, oh, script oh, oh. on Right, uh, right, right, right. He's, yeah, he's twittering yeah. out that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, that's right. Okay, that's right. I think I posted that on your, on your Facebook page. Um, yeah, so I just noticed uh, that... Steve, are you on drugs? Are you drinking cough syrup? What was the deal? I said, what's up with Peter Mayhew and scripts? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yes, uh, I posted on your Facebook page. Yeah, no, you know me. I'm a little absent-minded at okay. times. No, no substances, don't worry. Okay. Um, no, so I, what it made me notice it was that he'd posted the whole... Uh, Han and Greedo scene with the our our favorite Alan typo. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I just I'm like, oh, I need to see if that's there. On its uh, that makes me realize. All right, I was looking at something legit. If that's what Peter Mayhew is posting, it's real. So sure enough, the, the Alan typo is in there, and uh, I didn't notice anyone really commenting on it at first. It took a while, and then some other you know Twitter users are like, "Hey, did you see his you know Greedo's name is Alan?" I'm like, ah, I, I knew that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here in the Kivecast, we've been a little ahead of the curve, Steve. <laughs> uh, That's my favorite part of Ron's write-up of Ross's article. Was <laughs> yeah, when Sky said he wanted to do a podcast about collecting stuff. I'm like, why would you do that? You might as well have a a, a, a telephone a telephone telephone petting zoo, petting right? Zoo, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, might actually work. Hey, you—you you never know. So, anyways, um, um, now that you've, uh, now I mean, if you can put down your styrofoam cup filled with uh, grape soda and uh, codeine, maybe you can <laughs> uh, tell me about uh, about your script flip. All right. So, I was trying to dig up an early reference to Tie Fighter pilots, and in that same script that has the uh, the Allen typo, it's a, a April '76 draft of Star Wars. Um, I found I found when they were first referenced, and it was kind of there was an interesting detail there. Uh, I'll just I'll just read a bit of it here. So we're interior Death Star, standing in the middle of the chaos. This is when the the type, you know X wing attacks happening. A vision of calm and foreboding is Darth Vader. One of his astro officer aides rushes up to him, which that's weird to me. I, I don't know if that means that like the officer was a robot or it was just whatever. So he was. He says, give the order to get the crews to their fighters, lift off immediately, we'll have to destroy them ship to ship. The next uh, thing reads, uh, interior Death Star, ready room chaos, red scramble lights are flashing, Imperial star, uh, star pilots already in their flight suits grab helmets and space packs as they scramble out the door. So I thought that was interesting that in this iteration, the pilots didn't have helmets on. So it would have been kind of interesting to see, like... Most of those troopers, aside from the guys like the, the officers and the death squad commanders, you don't really see their, their faces. So it would have been kind of neat to see, you know, TIE pilots putting on their gear and rushing to their ships. I thought that was an interesting detail. Yeah, probably once Macquarie put the hoses on them. Yeah. That, that kind of ended the dream of that. <laughs> because yeah. I still don't really understand, like, do you unplug those? How does that actually right. work? Yeah, yeah. But I just like the idea of the astro officers. It makes me yeah. think of the Jetsons. I just have yeah, that, totally. the idea of Vader walking down the hall with these weird gray dogs. Yeah. Uh, does Astro yeah. talk? Is he like, uh, Rorge? He he's does, kind of got the, like, the Scooby-Doo talk, right? right. He's kind of yeah. sort of sort of English. Like, Ray, Rorge, Red's right. Row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he says uh, Rut Row. Or is that Scooby-Doo? You know, what's the deal, Steve? They are the same thing. Astro and Scooby-Doo, just one of yeah, them is scared no, right. and the other is gray. Yes, <laughs> and one lives in the distant future and the other haunts 
ghosts or uh, chases down ghosts. So. <laughs> Haunts ghosts. <laughs> Haunts ghosts. That's me being absent-minded once again. Yeah. Oh, hey, my daughter. My daughter told me a joke today. You want to hear it? <laughs> sure. What's the one room in a haunted house you'll never see a ghost? <laughs> What's that? The living room. <laughs> that's good, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. She's taken after you. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, hey, wait. Speaking of Macquarie, I don't know if we can quickly, if you want to indulge me on this, but sure. it hey, was, hey, listen, it, this is the deal. You know, we're going to be talking to Yehuda. We're going to be talking to Christian Gullius. <laughs> but Steve, this is our time. See, okay. See, that, I mean, that's one of the things. You know, is that we're including more people on the show. We're having larger shows. Um, but it's sort of one of the things that really distinguishes us from other shows is that it's always about. Just the two of us, man, against the world. <laughs> so that they can just sit on their on their hands in their pockets, and they're not even going to know we said this until they listen to the episode. <laughs> so it's all good. We know you're out there. We know you're just sitting there, you who just staring at your phone, waiting for it to ring. Just, just waiting. But you know what? Steve has a point. What's your point, Steve? <laughs> well, it's interesting. The uh, have you ever heard of this? The twenty six for seventy six campaign book that Fox put out. Um, not until you send it. Well, <laughs> there are so many things. Yeah. You know, after collecting for however many years I've been collecting, right. you know, at least 11 years of collecting super, 13 years of collecting Chewbacca super heavy yeah. and trying to get everything vintage. I feel like I've seen everything, but I don't know anything, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is why it helps to have Chris Joguius on soon. Cause be like, oh man, you didn't know about that. Um, yeah. Now <laughs> I'm making fun of you, Chris. Now. It'll happen again. <laughs> so, so what is the 2676 book, Steve? Okay, so um, back when Fox officially greenlit Star Wars in late 75, they they put out this poster and campaign book at one of their uh, early 76 like sales conventions. Um, it wasn't just for Star Wars, it was for everything coming out that year. But, you know, Star Wars uh, was, you know, somewhat prominently featured in that it has this uh, early sketch of a TIE fighter pilot in his cockpit, battling a Y-wing, which is a famous image that you know most people that love Macquarie will be familiar with. But right. so it's, I just thought it's it was right behind the Tie Fighter pilot, like so over his shoulder. Yeah, over the shoulder, right. Yeah. So you see like the tubes and all that, which just reminded me from your point. I have no wonder you never see them with the helmets off. But uh, anyway, I just thought it was kind of cool that like this, like the Tie pilot was one of the first images that went out to try and sell Star Wars, or at least like officially acknowledge that it was coming into existence by Fox. So I thought that was kind of a neat right. little factoid that I never realized. The, the write-up on the article is written by Pete Vilmer. Yes. And it yeah. says, uh, they were printed for a January 1976 Fox sales convention designed to solicit bids from theater owners to help finance production. So that's January 76. Right. So, right. you know, this, I mean, I guess I knew that Macquarie was painting in 75, I mean, it makes sense if the movie yeah. was released, but but still, yeah, that is a super early image. Yeah, yeah, at least the distributed to, to people trying to say, hey, you need to you need to book this movie, and I, it really is like an awesome image that is quintessential Star Wars to me. So, right. Anyway, I, I like I'm I'm getting into this kind of like early theater related stuff, so I, I kind of wanted to bring it up since it was tied into the to our guy this is, month. Was so. that Digby in the back there? That that's Digby. Yeah. I, he sounded like he was in pain. Are you hurting him again? He's he's not within my reach. I promise. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Stephen SBCA Danley. Um, <laughs> you know, of all the feedback we got in the last episode, no one commented on my Stephen J Sansweet. I thought it was really funny. Okay. <laughs> well, Steve, before we we call our guests who are eagerly awaiting, 
there is course, one bit of business, right? Are you talking about the Sky Coup? Yeah. Yes. yes. So right. once again, I have two. I have one for the figure and one for the for the <clears throat> character. Okay. Here's the one for the figure. Okay, here we go. Black plastic odor bursts from bubble being ripped like sulfur spring bloom. <laughs> so that's about the smell, which if you yes. don't get, you won't think it's funny. I'm going to ask no. Yehuda and Chris, and they're going to think you're crazy. Oh, they probably just think I'm, I'm uh, you know, not well-versed, which is true. <laughs> and, and the next one is just the fact that it's an all-black figure who fights in space. And it made me realize it's a character who's camouflaged for nothingness. <laughs> He's camouflaged for the vacuum of space. Yes. <laughs> if it were me, I would want to wear orange or something because, like, imagine you get thrown out of your ship or whatever. You got to be visible, around. right? How are those dudes yeah. going to find you? You're That's just true. never going to be fine. You are just completely. You don't need to be. If you're floating in space, right? <laughs> Which is the one place you need to be camouflaged. You don't want to be camouflaged. So, once again, my thoughts always go to the existential crisis that is inherent in most Star Wars characters. Because, yes. indeed, Steve, the existential crisis is inherent within all of us. Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, Steve, why we pay attention to Star Wars. You know that, right? <laughs> because our, all distractions are things that lead us away from thinking about our own death. Right. Um, this is, <laughs> I, I like to think of Star Wars that way and, and in, other, in other ways also. <laughs> These are, of course, the thoughts of the 17th century uh, French moralist Blaise Pascal, who oh, asked the question, why does the king hunt? You know, like the king has everything, <laughs> everything you could ever want. An, an entire, there's a legion of people whose only job it is to make him happy. Right. And, and that's why in French, there's no word for fun. It's divertir, which means to divert, <laughs> which ah. means to distract, to distract uh -huh. from your impending death. <clears throat> okay. So anyway, in that, with that in mind, my little 17th century philosophy lesson, it's been a couple of years since I've given one of those. Mm -hmm. Here it is for the Thai pilot. Black space, tie pilot, camouflage of nothingness. I'm not here at all. <laughs> Sad one, hey? Yeah, that's pretty good, especially with. I like when you kind of preface those really deep ones like that. You gotta, you gotta do that more often. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. Yes, I agree. Do you agree, with Steve? More 17th century French philosophy. Email archivecast gmail whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. With that said, let's get to the news. Let's get to our guests. Let's yes. have fun with uh, with Chris and Yehuda, both guys who, by the way, enjoy talking. So, Steve, you got to make sure you make yourself known. Um, don't go into sand suite mode and <laughs> just disappear up the well, face. See, it's again. good. At least not you know, one of them isn't named Steve. I yes. think that was the big that was the big hurdle. For that me. was the main problem because I had to be like Steve. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, I'm going to get some water and we'll call. And you know what's one more thing to say, Steve? What's that? So people might have skipped past my, my Thai pilot song. But just, uh, a, just a reminder, we've never put one stinking advertisement on the show in all these times. Do you know how many podcasts I listen to, Steve? All of them at some point start talking about Squarespace or whatever. Or we scented don't. underwear. Was it? I don't know. What? Something like that. Well, not scented underwear. What? Like... Whatever, micro-protective underwear. I've heard of that one a few times. What? Do you not? Come on. Steve, I don't know. What are you listening to? 
<laughs> Steve's listening. That, I think that one was uh, Molson on movies. Right, yeah, panty cast. With, <laughs> Steve, Steve's listening to a Japanese podcast about panties. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Some of them smell like the Black Tie Fighter pilot. It's great. <laughs> All right. Well, with All right. that said, uh, let's call Yehuda and Chris. Okay. Right. I got to compose myself here. <laughs> yeah. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. The news from Kenner. Here's the news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. News from Kenner. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Yehuda Kleinman and uh, George Chrysulius. Um, <laughs> by the way, Chris, have you ever thought about changing your name to George? I was called George throughout uh, middle, middle school and some of elementary school. Okay, so we're here with Chris Jorgulius and Yehuda Kleinman. And the question I have, we're talking about the figure of the month. And I don't know if I'm crazy or if Steve's crazy. So Chris Jorgulius, when I talk about the Thai pilot figure, do you have anything that comes to your mind when you think about the figure? Um, are you going to ask me if I know anybody that collects it or no, just, if I just, have just, stories just, about it? No, just what do you think about when you think about it? You don't have a, an instant thought when you think of the TIE uh, Fighter file? I do have one, no, though, Sky. Okay, yes. Let's hear it, Chris. Okay. So when I was first getting into collecting, my uh, neighbor told me that he had gone to the department store, and this was uh, you know, in 1990, and that he had somehow like looked – and the bottom shelf at the department store within the toy aisle, when you pull, you know, those metal, the, you know, the whole shelf is like metal. And there's like at the bottom, the step is probably about six inches off the ground. He had pulled that to the side or that was open somehow. He found a loose tie pilot in that thing in that <laughs> old department store. That's awesome. Wow. So, I, and you, Huda, do you, do you have any thoughts that pop in your mind when you first think of a, a tie fighter, tie pilot fighter, tie pilot figure? <laughs> I, you know, I think you know, the only thing that comes to mind is that I think the Uzai ATAT driver and the TIE pilot were made from the same mold. So that's sort of cool because when they bootlegged them out in Turkey, the figure was so similar that they just uh, used the same mold, made one white and one black. Now, Steve was talking about that, that they are drastically different molds. I suppose I've never paid attention to that. I've, I've got Kellerman in front of me. I'm going to flip to the front and look at the difference between – the the type the tie pilot and the ATAT driver they are right next to each other. Oh yeah, they're yeah, totally they're similar. different. Hey, I've got a Uzai story now related to this kind of. Okay, but we know we call it Uzai there, George. Uzai, you know, <laughs> oozing eye, Uzai. So I had a friend that when I got into collecting, he was getting into collecting, and then he um, took a, a, a teaching job in Istanbul, Turkey. For a couple of years, and I'm trying now to remember what year it was. I, I want to say it was like '98, maybe or so. No joke. So one of one of his coworkers turned out he had a bunch of loose Uzais from when he was a kid. But my friend was walking with this girl he had met there, sort of his girlfriend, his Turkish girlfriend. No joke. In a crack of a sidewalk, he found an Adat Commander. Oh yeah, ATST driver figure. I'm oh, sorry. Adat driver figure, it was a torso with the arms. The legs were gone. It was in the crack of a sidewalk in, like, 1998. Wow. It's the freakiest. I mean, I couldn't believe he showed me a picture of it. He goes, this thing was in the sidewalk. I'm like, 
How on earth the block, is this possible? Or is it the street number or anything? <laughs> Well, that, that's funny crazy. because Chris has a reputation for having r ridiculous finds, like finding $100 bills on the ground, but it appears that... Well, Ash, you snooze, you lose, and you're way behind right from the start. I've got a Pokemon, and you don't... It appears that it spreads to the people around him as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what I was shooting for is I always think awesome. of the smell. Isn't that a thing, the smell of a Thai pilot? Oh, the strawberry shortcake smell? <laughs> There's one figure that was made in the UK that had like that by 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 Palatoy that had the same like smell as like was it a Vader was it a, was one of the black figures one of the dark plastic figures that had like a scent also from like they used the same plastic mold batches in the same machine so there are a bunch of like I I think it's Tie Fighter pilots that smell with the strawberry shortcake smell it's one of the one of the Empire figures. Huh. Well, I was just saying that they smell really bad and that that's a famous thing and that every collector knows that, but it turns out I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, not every collector. I think they smell like strawberry shortcake. <laughs> okay, fine. Listen, kivecast at gmail.com or whatever of the 50,000 Facebook pages we post this stupid podcast to, um, just say, hey, Sky, you're totally right about that. Of course everyone knows that the Thai pilot smells bad. That's like a thing. <laughs> you, you always say kivecast at gmail.com. Do people even write? I feel bad. I don't believe they email you. As a matter, they of, as a matter of fact, they do. I, <laughs> I was going to talk about that later um, in, the, in the feedback section. Um, it, Tim Hopkins says, I've left you feedback <laughs> a few times and you never comment on it. <laughs> he says, that's probably why nobody does feedback. Gosh. That's Ben Solo as Napoleon Dynamite trying to leave feedback for your podcast. Oh, well, then there you go. There's this yeah. segment for you. You can start doing the feedback. Well, we do it. We just – anyways, and that was from December. So, Sky, uh, credit, Sky has a, has a credit thing with them. email. <laughs> yes. I do have a thing with email. Okay, but you know, let's, let, let's, let's get going here. Let's talk about okay. – Yehuda, why are you on the podcast this month? Do you know? Because you asked me to, Sky. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm on this podcast this month because Ron had an amazing discovery. And actually, it's, it's sort of interesting because you would think that this would have been something that would have been picked up earlier. There's um, an issue of Famous Monsters, which is a very well-known publication, one of the earliest science fiction publications, published by Forrest Ackerman. And featured on issue 151 is a vintage Star Wars action figure contest. And... Um, it's really a very interesting contest where different people put together dioramas, which were judged by Forrest Ackerman, who was the editor of the magazine. And uh, in, in, the, in the dioramas, action figures were used heavily. So it's really an early magazine from March 79, where you see on the cover stormtroopers, and they're actually modified. And it's like one of the earliest times we would see throughout all these models where the figures were being changed and the, the joints were being articulated by people who were customizing and even on the artwork on the cover of the magazine the editor decided to make it very 70s and took luke's white tunic and painted it pink and gave uh, ben like a green robe so the whole thing has a very 70s feel and it's just it's surprising that a publication has been out there that long that really was never picked up on and, and, and i, I, I think that that this cover i mean this cover let me just describe it to you and you can look at it but it has uh, what's that guy's name? Christopher Reeve as Superman, and then Ralph Bashke's yep. Gollum, 
and then mm-hmm. a Cylon. So that's in three, like, in a row. And then below it is this amazing diorama of the these are not the droids you're looking for, all done with Kenner figures. And the idea that this isn't some kind of highly sought-after collectible that every vintage collector looks for is pretty amazing because this is just so awesome. Um, now, Chris, do, do you already have this? Um, I I do not have that issue. I didn't know about it until Ron found those um, image uh, those actual originals. Right, and so that, that's where things get more interesting, Yehuda. So let's go back to you to tell us what did Ron find. So Ron and I were chatting, and Ron found some of Forrest Ackerman's original pictures. When Forrest passed away um, several years ago, a lot of his stuff was auctioned off, and different pieces got auctioned to different people and had passed on. And uh, what had gotten auctioned off this time were the pictures for the contest for the diorama. And they're large in-house black-and-white photos of the uh, different contestants' dioramas and um, how they were scaled and used throughout the entire publication. And um, they're really individual pieces of artwork, and you can see where it says on the back of them who the contestant was and what place they won and how they would use the particular picture in terms of enlarging or decreasing the size, whether it was 110% of the picture and where they would place it. And then when you look at the actual magazine, what's really cool is you can see how they put them down and how they placed it. So we actually have together pretty much every major diorama that was featured in there, and you can really see the process of how you know it was probably put together, judged, and then found a way to be published together in the magazine. Yeah, and it's 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 like the birth of customization. Um, it's pretty neat too because they're all original twelve, right? Right, right. So I guess the it's very early seventy nine. The toys were only out for one year, and so you have to think about you know essentially after the early bird set a few months later, and then a year later these toys are out. And here on the cover we see like Sand Troopers features customized. And if you look at the dioramas that are featured throughout, you see joints and the knees and elbows that are now articulated running, moving motion. So, yeah, it really is the birth of customization through these dioramas by using the action figures, which were readily available to make them. Right. And so there's a second part to this story, Steve. And I, I told yeah, you a little yeah, about this. <clears throat> right. So, um, by the way, Steve, um, we're, we're, I think we have to start uh, East Coast, West Coast beef. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Another but, one? <laughs> yeah. Well, because cause the, the New York Collectors Club is is rolling pretty deep. Uh, you know, Tom Quinn and Jason Thomas and Mike the Massive, they're like doing a really good job of organizing all these events. Oh, totally. Um, and and we roll deep. So you go to Sandsweet's house, but we had like <laughs> three times as many people at Tom Quinn's place. And so in, in New York, we get more people showing up to a suburb of Albany than you could get to go to Rancho Obi-Wan. <laughs> That's just how we roll. Am I wrong, Yehuda? You are not wrong. It's been actually a great time. We've had a bunch of great get-togethers. And, um, you know, just getting the groups together within this really large state that really isn't as large as you look at it if you drive a few hours and making a day out of it. So, you know, Tom has been really great, and all the guys that you mentioned, and, and bunch of, a bunch of other guys as well, uh, you know, and, and Rob and everybody, pulling everybody together. So um, we have a lot of fun, and the more people who want to come out to it, always the better. And, and so what, what happened was they had these pictures. You know, Yehuda had all these pictures, and I didn't know what he was talking about, so I was looking at it. And uh, I just sort of thought, well, 
Um, I'm not like an in the wild kind of guy, you know. I'm not like Chris Jorgulius, like knocking on the doors of everybody and asking them for their prototypes and stuff. Um, but I'm like, well, if there's anything in the wild I'd like to do, I would love to find one of these dioramas. Um, so I just looked at the names and I found one guy's name that was was kind of peculiar, peculiar, name like you know Jim Sullivan or whatever, um, and. Uh, he said he was from a place, it was uh, Robert Rare, and it said it was Hoffman's Estates, Illinois. And so I'm like, well, people don't really move. So I just looked up on the internet, Robert Rare, Hoffman Estates, Illinois, and I got his address, <laughs> and I wrote him a longhand letter. And it was like, this is Sky Payne of the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, and we happened to see this. I'm sorry if this is not welcome, but maybe... Um, Maybe this is you, and if it is you, what happened? And do you have any stories to share with us about making the diorama? And I didn't expect anything to happen, but then I got an email last week. So let me first of all describe his diorama. Um, now the cool thing is, Yehuda, you don't have any color pictures, right? Everything's black and white. So the photos that were taken and printed were all done in black and white. Right, and so, so it, these are actually when he sent over the pictures, these were color, and you really got to see the detail that he was able to put into it. And um, actually, I also think he was jipped. You know, he, he did not get the first place prize, but he should have at least gotten first, second, or third because it's yeah. really a remarkable piece he put together. Yeah, he, and, he um, tied for six. Yeah, and what's cool is he put it in like a little box, and the box closes, and on the top it has a Star Wars logo, and on the inside it's the corridor from the Tantive Four, the Tantivi, or the Tantive um, IV. And uh, actually, it's T A N T I V E. is how we say it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And uh, and so I wrote to him, and and he said, "Thank you so much for your polite letter of February second. I did not know there's an online history of the famous monster Star Wars contest, so I appreciate you telling me about it. I worked very hard on my diorama to model an interior hallway of the Rebel ship, and even installed batteries to power the ceiling lights. I do remember nervously finishing very close to the deadline for shipping the diorama." The Famous Monsters issue announcing all the winners came out on my birthday, so to be listed among the winners was a wonderful surprise. My entry was sent to the Warren Publishing Offices in New York City. We did not receive them back after the contest was over. I don't know, but I'm assuming it, with the other dioramas, became part of FM editor's Forey Ackerman's collection, which to my understanding was auctioned off a few years ago. Um, and he says, I did see the original movie many times, including a marathon of four times in one day. When the original movie was released, I owned a Stormtrooper mask, which was great fun to wear out in public, getting lots of curious stares at Disney World. I found six pictures for you. I'm sorry it took me so long to write back to you, but I had to search through five cartons of family photos, and within those, through over a hundred envelopes of prints to find these pictures. I swear I found them in the second to last envelope. <laughs> Sincerely yours, Robert Wire. Cool. So, That's amazing. Awesome. Totally yeah, isn't, isn't that cool? Because it's like it's exactly what you want to imagine. You know, this guy back in the seventies, and he's sitting there, and he's trying to wire things together, and getting ready to send it off, and and I, just even the fact that he added, you know, I saw it four times in one day. You know, it really gives you like a slice of what was Star Wars in nineteen seventy eight. Totally. Yeah. So I, I look does. forward. To and if you look at the. If you look at the detail he put into it, this is a guy who really loved the film. Because a lot of the, a lot of the other dioramas were Star Wars related in terms of the universe and this, but this, he really tried to capture that first opening sequence when the movie began. And uh, so he has the stormtroopers on the outside of it. 
and all the rebels on the inside as they're breaking through, which is why it's collapsing. But some of the other ones are really wacky. I mean, they have ones with like the creature from the Black Lagoon, and they're <laughs> like a swamp. One of them looks like a kid just took like some sand and like a fish tank and and like put some action figures in it. Speaking and, of Uzi, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it it is a it little really bit wacky. Is orange sherbet. Yeah. This one is a little bit wacky because one of the pictures, and you cannot at all see this in the black and white versions that you have. But the way that he depicted the opening scene is stormtroopers and Darth Vader fighting uh, Luke and Leia and the droids. And on the floor, with blood spurting from his stomach, is Han Solo. <laughs> so he so skipped like six movies, which is really amazing if you think about he, it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's really he, I mean, that's This is it. This is the first time Han Solo has ever died. And it was right here by this guy in this picture for Famous Monsters. That diorama is movies one through seven. So that's that's the first place prize right there. Yes. Oh, awesome. Um, So, yeah, definitely definitely check that. I have to say that the the blog on the archive is just getting better and better. I I feel like every month we could just be talking about what's happening on the blog. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Ron's naming it Diorama Lama Ding Dong. But uh... <laughs> listen, don't 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 knock Ron's editorials, okay? Yes. We need his comic relief. It's good. Yes, Sky, you you should have called it the Diorama Rama. That was that's your right. the Diorama Rama. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, now another thing that's been put on the archive recently uh, were a whole bunch of patents. And Tom, was this Tommy or you, Chris, that put these up there? Well, the patents have been up since like '97, and I cleaned them up about a year ago when I found I found even more. Tommy recently found trademarks, and and I had not looked at we had not looked for those in the past. So I asked him. He kept posting them on his own page. I thought, hey, just summarize these things, and and we'll put them all on the patent page. So he found them, and I put them on that patent page. So that was. That's that's where that comes from, but yeah, those have been on there. But you know, it's it's, it's under like those text files and things that people don't really look at, but but they're really neat when you show them. Most most people don't think about things like that. But yeah, right. it was it was seeing all the trademark names that Kenner and Lucasfilm created at the time. You know, things that they um, names they trademark like like they they trademarked the the name Jabba in 1977. You know, because yeah, he was in the original. He was supposed to be in the original movie, you know, later right. you know, they added him in the special editions. But, you know, and Grandma Tarkin was in there, Uncle Owen. And um, so it was interesting to see that because we've seen similar, you know, some early Kenner um, paperwork suggesting some of the names of figures they were considering at the time. And that was just, you know, uh, more proof to that end. But then there was other things that was neat. It was like like a notice like on the Boba Fett one. It was it it, it what, they applied for it, but they also said in there when was the first time they published the name Boba Fett as a toy, mm-hmm. and that was nice to see that. Um, it jived with when I thought the first rocket firing Boba Fett um, promotions were printed, ah. which was August. Based on what a salesman told me, he said it would have they would have done it in August, and sure enough, that thing said it was August. It's like, well, that's awesome. And August seventy nine, seventy eight, and it would have been like for new products coming out in January, February seventy nine. 
So she owned so, a toy fair like 78 and then like out to 79. Like, uh, you know, that famous toy fair picture of the Boba Fett that's carded, that would probably have been 78 then? No, that was 79. That was 79. Yeah. Okay. Like, to, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, Toy Fair 79. Because, yeah, 78, they would, you know, they were just mailing the early bird figures just out in early 78. Yeah. Right, so right. Next right. February. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's cool. Actually, speaking of com that we do check from time to time, Tommy emailed us <laughs> um, in response to the Black Bespin Guard. <laughs> Um, and he said that they didn't trademark either, you know, black Bespin guard or white Bespin guard, but they trademarked Bespin guards, plural. And he said that they also tried to, uh, claim the name Bespin security force, which is a cooler name. And Tommy says that too. I mean, Bespin security force is much cooler. And Tommy says this makes them sounds less like security guards and more like an army. And it goes without saying, the name just reinforces my theory that Bespin guards are merely space Pinkertons keeping the poor Ugnaught miners from organizing. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucasfilm also trademarked Ugnaughts, plural. Um, I will say that my kids got the, the new Lego uh, Bespin um, like uh, um, carbonite chamber. And and the main reason they wanted it was not for the Han and carbonite, but it was for the Ugnaught. <laughs> Oh, Ugnaught. They, they, they love that, that poetry slam of yours, right? Is they, that they where do. that Ugnaught love started? Yeah. My dad <laughs> said, you know, uh, Django's like, is that right, Dad? Chignorance? I'm like, that's right, Chignorance. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, and boy. also, they just came out with a Lego um, uh, escape pod. And so that they comes did. with a couple I, of Jawas. It's actually really well made. It opens up, and um, it was displayed at Toy Fair. You know, and it was actually one of the pieces that they were putting out in the center. And um, a lot of the stuff that they came out from Lego this year looks like some of the better toys. Yeah. You know, and, and you see certainly a lot of playability in, in everything that they're putting out and a lot more activity around their booths, even more so than you see around some of the uh, action figure booths. So it's sort of interesting to see a lot of the shift more toward the building toys than you see toward the action figure toys that we saw more so in the 70s and 80s. Hmm. Yeah, it, it. One thing I'll say about my son, he's a chip off the old block of manipulating. He was like, "We should get this, Dad, because it's like your podcast." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, we should. Of course, I did because I wanted to play with it. <laughs> so, uh, boy, now we're making Ron wait, but we will have to make Ron wait because uh, Chris, maybe you can explain. This thing. So, you know, last month you came on to explain what exactly was the deal with the the rocket firing FET that was the most significant discovery of the century. Um, but there's a, a more recent discovery that is perhaps less valuable, but maybe more significant. Um, what <laughs> is this Ewok thing unearthed by the Toy Hunter, Jordan? Oh, yeah. You know that that was just posted yesterday, right? So yes, we're um, on top of the news, Chris. A guy, yeah, you are on top of the news. Apparently, a guy that worked at Jim Dandy, the company that made the um, Scout Walker Command Tower, the outdoor um, playset. It's sort of like a Scout Walker head on these tall struts, and underneath it, there's a speeder bike swing. It's very impressive. And um, anyway, he said that they made four of these Ewok. Huts. It's basically these big blow molded huts. It's got a little staircase in the back. It's like on a little stump with a 
a HUD on top and a little slide that wraps around. They said they made four of these and, you know, like the owner of the company took one and they, and I forget who else took another one, but they, they only made four of them before they realized they couldn't pack them into enough into an, um, an 18 wheeler. So to make it cost effective to sell and ship these things. So they, they abandoned it, which to me blows my mind that they would tool up all those different parts and all those molds mm. And not realize that, yeah, they could have made a mock-up out of paper mache and figured out how many they could fit in there. But they went and made these giant blow molds anyway. So it was really awesome. You would think at some point because of the size. What's that? You would think at some point because of the size that they're making this thing, that until they finished producing them, they would have figured it out. It is sort of funny that they were able to make four of them before they said, now they won't fit in the truck. (laughs) Well, they, they had a pack into a certain thing but the the fact is that they went through all the trouble to make all that you know it's like designing a garage and saying well we got to build this whole car before we can size the garage you can make a car out of cardboard and see if it fits before you build you know it was like they say so spent a lot anyway the point is that thing is a one-of-a-kind piece that guys had it in storage 30 years nobody's ever heard of this you know people won't care because it's not an action figure but man it's like to see something that was completely unproduced like that and that nobody's known about, that was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, and it, it's really beautiful. So, I mean, I've looked at it a lot, and the main thing it makes me think is being a kid is awesome because mm-hmm. yep. this would be so much fun to play with because the way that it is is it's got like a, a hollowed-out stump and then a hut on top of it, and the hut is orange with a nice thatched roof, and it says Ewok Hut in molded plastic on the front, so it's definitely you know a Star Wars toy. But like you could hang out underneath the slide, like in the little yeah. stump. Like I can imagine just sitting there and just being a kid and just sitting. You know, like when it was just fun to just be in some place <laughs> that was small. You know, and then getting up and going down the slide. Yeah, this thing is really beautiful. Yeah, um, I mean, like when I was like that target age, I was. Like, I loved Ewoks, so if this thing had existed, uh, I would have been in heaven. Yeah. It's so cool. I think we should make one for Steve. What, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> You've got a history in, in plastics. Can you make one? Me? Yes. Is he going to walk around in it with stilts on, or what? <laughs> Just for him to play with. I, I don't know. It would be a, a great gift. costume for celebration. <laughs> oh, just kidding! I was making a side joke. Um, no, it's it's really impressive. I hope that you know they're able to secure it and some collector gets it. I can think of a few collections where it would fit, it would fit size and it would fit size wise and it would fit you know content wise. I think yeah. you know there's definitely people. It takes up less space than that Scout Walker Command that's, Tower, that's which I've seen, which is set up in a collection. It's very impressive, but most people couldn't afford to have you know a ten foot tall piece of uh, gym equipment in your house <laughs> yeah well it's but regardless of where it goes it's just it's a really cool piece and a really significant find and i mean i've heard some people say you know it's more significant than the fed it's less i don't care if it's more or less it's just really again it's the number one question i get from people outside of this hobby is how do you have something to say every month it's like I could do this weekly if I felt like it. And I'm not the only person out there doing a stupid podcast about this subject, you know. 
<laughs> and it seems like every week there's more of them. Steve, have you seen that um, the from Four Lambda Zuckus guys are doing a podcast now? Yeah, I saw that. And uh, and there was another one. Um, God, I, I, there was another one that just came out like maybe two or three weeks ago, or it might have been longer. But uh, yeah, it's it's I don't know, it just keeps going. And, and that one features another interview with with Gus. So uh, I. I, oh, I really right. think, yeah. Steve, that, that Gus's appearance on other podcasts is going to quintuple the amount of appearances on our podcast <laughs> uh, pretty soon. But that, that's all right. We got Chris, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Set up for cheap imitation. <laughs> yeah. A bootleg Gus. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, and actually uh, on their site, there was something. I mean, it, they didn't find it, but they had a pretty good article about it on, on Forlom Dezakis. Um, about uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but Rebels, which oh yeah, is still just not a very good TV show. Um, <laughs> it uh, and this is coming from somebody who loves episode two. Um, <laughs> they had Yoda on on the show, and it is weird. It is like <laughs> this really weird Yoda. Yes, and. and uh, the reason why it's weird, and this is the director David Floney says, and this is a from an Entertainment Weekly article. A huge influence was the old Kenner action figure of Yoda. We stopped short of giving him the orange snake. We highly considered it because I've never seen that orange snake, and I thought we could be the ones that finally put that orange snake in there. First of all, it's funny that he said orange snake three times in two sentences. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it has this weird look to it, and it's actually a a badly articulated Yoda. Um, so <laughs> it's just a bizarro world Yoda to me. I don't know. <laughs> and then with with Frank Oz's voice, but Frank yeah. Oz doesn't do Yoda as well as Tom Kane does Yoda. Um, just like <laughs> James Earl Jones can't do Darth Vader. Well, hold anymore. on, Sky. No, it's true. <laughs> they can't do the voices no, anymore. No, I, I I know where I know where you're coming from. All right. Um, but anyways, what I love is that they they decided not to because it would have been too expensive, um, which is <laughs> I rather believe, that snake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> everything on Rebels is yeah, but that would be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've alienated our guests well, uh, well enough, Steve. All right, well, well that's enough of movie talk. Uh, okay. Before we talk to Ron, uh, Chris. Uh, so listen, I'm trying to catch up with Facebook, right? Uh, are you proud of me, Yehuda? I am very proud of you. Have you seen? You've been on. I've been watching you liking things and commenting on stuff and <laughs> posting things. It's, Sharing pictures, Sky. Well you're, you're really yeah. coming into your own. Yeah, I did one of those collectible of the week things. Now it turns <laughs> out it was actually. it was two weeks too late. Late, um, yes, it was late. But but, <laughs> but it you was know, there. It was, yeah, and it was appreciated. C C J was saying, you know, that I, I should promote myself more. Um, which is really funny because I am known to promote myself from time to time. Um, uh, but uh, so I tried it and I basically said, hi, my name is Sky and I collect Chewbacca and I, I showed my second photo run of Chewbacca and a lot of people liked it and it was enjoyable. So I'm, I'm actually trying to sort of keep up on what's going on um, because it turns out you can't just wish something would go away and it goes away. <laughs> um, but apparently one thing I missed was the Uncle Ron story so Chris could you tell us what the Uncle Ron story was 
Oh, you're going to put me on the spot now because I, I, I missed the first bit of that. But from what I gather, so this guy comes on, um, I think the early, the Star Wars early 12 back Facebook group and said, you know, his, he's trying to sell, his uncle has a whole bunch of things that they bought it, he bought it retail um, originally and they, and he was looking for like valuations and he wanted to know how to sell them and sell them to collectors. Well, it turns out he had like a lot of high end stuff and people helped him out and he ended up going to AFA and selling pieces, but there was like multiple early bird sets. I think there was an early bird display and people were just really excited that this sort of like, you know, um, original collection had, you know, surfaced and people and he was looking to get rid of it so people were really excited about the pieces about the condition and i think people were getting caught up just in the hype of being able to have a piece that came from this source and the guy's right. name was uncle ron and then he sort of got you know that famous moniker there but man i'm not th- I'm, that's all i know and i won't pretend to know any more than that so well i, I think that's pretty much it except that someone had him sign a figure yeah, I guess. Yeah, one guy did. He was a. He described it as a poor condition R5D4, and had him sign it because that's what he wanted. So, <laughs> to each their own, yeah, I guess. I got no real problem with that. I mean, I had, um, you know, I had a, a Chewbacca that I dropped, and the the bubble broke through, but it still displayed like the bubble wasn't cracked. So I took one of those um, medallion stickers from Celebration Four. I think yeah, celebration four, and I I put it on the card back so it looks like a like a free coin offer <laughs> sticker, but it's actually for a celebration thing. So that's kind of the same thing, kind of stupid. Um, but okay, so I guess that's the history of that, Steve. That didn't work out. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, why didn't it work why, out? Why are you so down? And I thought it worked out. It worked out. It's okay. Okay. It's all right, Sky. <laughs> all right, well, good. Um, oh, and speaking of uh, of uh, Facebook stuff, I actually got something from the big pick, Steve. Oh yeah, yeah. What so did you end up with? We know CJ did that thing where he like he's like, I'm going to start selling things at noon on Saturday, whatever it was. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever, that's lame. But then he was selling the Bush and Chewbacca two pack. Oh, um, which is <laughs> obviously the, the best piece in the in, in the whole thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, it's a twenty-one back uh, Boba Fett. Who cares? But I mean, this is—I've never seen one of these before, and it's and uh, and so you know, I was sitting there and I emailed it exactly one second, and I was staring at my computer, and like I had the the whole experience of the the big picky thing. So that was pretty funny, <laughs> and it was actually oh, a fun yeah. way to buy things. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, you're you're making fun of me. Fine, Steve. No, 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 I'm making fun of you. No, it is, it is. It's actually a new way to buy things. It really is something that started out where we were all buying off eBay, and you know the Facebook stuff as it was emerging, people were starting to sell things. But really, more and more, a lot of the stuff that people are getting are coming off Facebook, and it's, it's major pieces, minor pieces, and Chris certainly has been on the top of it with his finds and the big pick, but. Throughout all the sites, people are tending to go, um, to, and, and people know each other now a lot more. So collectors get to know where they're buying them from. And they also avoid paying eBay fees. So it's, it's, a, it's a really a nice transition. 
Um, but you have to stay on top of it because the weird thing about Facebook is things disappear in two seconds once they're up and they're cool and the price is right. Whereas we're all used to a world on eBay where if something shows up, you have a couple of days usually to think about it unless it has a buy it now option. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then you have to belong to 50,000. Hey, uh, like, so I've been trying to think about like the landscape of all the Facebook groups, right? So it seems to me, is there like, what do you think are the most important ones to be a member of if you want to keep track of what's actually happening in the hobby in real time? I think the the twelve back one seems to be the one where most stuff happens, right? I would agree That's with a major that. One. I would think that that would be the the first place to go, and then not to get too overwhelmed with joining every single one because then all of a sudden your feed becomes really huge with a lot of Star Wars stuff that you may or may not be interested in. And then as you you start with one major site like that, you'll just build one or two more that might have an interest of yours. So you might find a food collecting site, and you might add that. You know, you might look up and and find something that has to do with pre-production stuff, and you might find another site that you can go on to. And um, there are also individual breakdowns of sites when it comes back to, you know, Empire Collectors, Return of the Jedi Collectors, Power of the Force Collectors, and Poster Collectors. So when you start with one site, you sort of figure out where you want to be, and then sometimes you drop sites as well, of course, until you get to a place where the feed seems to be stuff that you're really interested in. Right. Now, uh Chris, I know that uh, you also have a passing interest in the Emperor. Um, so I think that you and I should should moderate the uh, the Emperor collecting Facebook page. You oh, my wanna, God. You want to do that with <laughs> me, Chris? Gosh, yeah. More subdivisions. How about we'll have, like, the Emperor on Return of the Jedi 77 back group. <laughs> Well, this is the and thing. then you can have the Emperor on Return of the Jedi 79 back group. Listen, man, <laughs> I made this awesome logo for Mr. Palpatorium's fully armed and operational Emperorium, and I've never <laughs> been able to use it because now I've is never the made time, this okay. Now's the now time. Now is the time. <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't even keep, I don't even know how many more groups have been created. So once in a while, I get somebody adds me to one, but I know there are tons that, you know, I'm just unaware of. Like, like somebody posted the other day, but they goes, this podcast, Star Wars podcast listener awards. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And you had to look <laughs> at this list. I mean, there's like dozens and dozens of podcasts. I had no yeah. idea it existed. And it's so easy for people to create a whole new podcast, a whole new Facebook group, and you don't really know like what their experience level is with stuff. And they're, you know, sometimes people talk about things, you know, they just want to discuss it. But I think sometimes people go to these sites because they think that people are experts in this. And you know, sometimes I hear things. It's like, wait a minute, this guy, you can't dispel this kind of like information and not know exactly what you're talking about. You know, you, you sort of. Anyway, I think I've diverged on that. Back to the Facebook groups. Yeah, it's all, they part, are... of, it's all part of the same thing. You know, when you read the Facebook groups, you see a lot of things that are brought up over and over again, and there are different levels. Of... <laughs> all right, well, you Sorry, know, I, I know I, it was long-winded. I mean, I could... <laughs> you want more? I mean, that uh, was... No, I, th- I, th- I think that's boring. good. I think, well, I think I'll probably just edit that down to uh, Yehuda Likes Facebook. About 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Little well, girl you know, likes her brain. 
Um, okay, so <laughs> we're, we got to call Ron because we told Ron we'd call him already. And I'm not talking about Uncle Ron. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about Ron R.A. Salvatore. And uh, we're going to talk hey, to him about, about his post, which for me is something I've been just dying to talk about. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll set the stage for that. We'll come back and, and talk to Ron. You guys all ready for me to hang up on you again? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, so um, before we actually get to Ron's interview, I was editing the show. Uh, it's about 11 o'clock on a Monday night. Went to a long Boy Scout meeting. I'm pretty tired. Anyway, I was uh, putting together this episode. And I was about to put in the Ron thing, and I realized that, you know, in the episode I, I mentioned how I cut down Yehuda's... He sort of went on this little monologue about Facebook, and... Uh, it was like after I'd edited down everything else, there was still a big chunk of it left. And I just sort of was listening to it and started editing it. But I thought it'd be kind of funny if I just took one section of it and put it next to another. So it kind of became this sort of weird word soup garbage. Um, so I did that and, I'm, and, and then I put a beat behind it <laughs> just because these are the kinds of things that amuse me. Um, but actually re-listening to it, it's actually pretty good. Uh, the problem is, is that I, you know, I've been sort of working on this idea of like a big episode, really about Facebook collecting and the way that it's changed um, the hobby. And Yehuda kind of hit on a lot of that, those points, so I didn't really want to talk about it right now. So I wasn't chiming in. And then Yehuda and Chris have this problem of interrupting each other, so Chris wasn't chiming in. And you know Steve, he doesn't interrupt anybody. <laughs> so it ended up being this thing where Yehuda was talking for like five minutes and no one else was. <laughs> and so this is what it sounds like if you chop it up and uh, put some Africa Bambata behind it. The new evolution of technology is pushed through into the new evolution of technology and what's important, I think, always is I'm maybe a new Facebook collector who really hadn't been on any of these other sites that the media will be used. And so we don't want to lose the old data and everything that's been had throughout the years pushed through into the new evolution of technology because when you're looking at a pre-production piece, you don't how things are evolving and then still making sure that built up from looking at all the different sites that have come out throughout the year. The history that's been collected, the technology will change and eventually Facebook will be old. And then also introduces a, a maybe a new Facebook collector is when they see a common question asked, they'll put a link to either the archive or to 12back.com or to, you can authenticate it yourself. A site that might have a, a really great thing, you know, when you read the Facebook groups, you see a lot of things that are brought up over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over again. And is pushed through into the new evolution of technology because the new evolution of technology collected is pushed through into the new evolution of technology. I think I'll probably just edit that down to uh, Yehuda likes Facebook. Yehuda likes Facebook. Uh, I have no idea if that was a hit or a miss. Let's get to our interview with Ron R.A. Salvatore. Okay, so our, our merry band of, of men uh, is, I don't know why I paused before saying men, um, is now joined by Ron Ari Salvatore. How you doing, Ron? All right, Sky. How are you guys doing? 
We're, we're all doing great. great. We've been talking about the Thai... Ooh, I get to ask my Thai pilot question. Yeah. So, yeah. so, Ron, what is the first thing you think of when I talk about the Thai pilot figure? The Thai pilot figure? Yes. I don't really have a specific <laughs> thought about the Thai pilot figure. Oh, shit! <laughs> this is the worst. He's never going <laughs> to tell you that answer that you think is the first one that people think of. <laughs> the correct answer, Ron, is everybody thinks about how they smell bad, okay? <laughs> yeah, I would never strawberry get that. Shortcake. It's not It's not bad. All right. And, and Yehuda's talking I'm about strawberry you. shortcake. Steve is no, starting his own podcast with, about Japanese it. panties. Everything is just getting way too <laughs> weird in this show. Uh, well, the Thai Pilot's cool because it looks sort of like the the, the AT-AT driver, which kind of ties into our, our discussion here, I guess. It most certainly does. Now, what I want to yeah. do is actually paint a vignette because we, we've been talking about this East Coast, West Coast beef. Um, <laughs> and I have to say that the last meeting of the, of the Empire State, uh, whatever, Collector's Club, not the last meeting, but the one before that in Yehuda's house, had this really great moment. So, um, for some reason, Yehuda had a bunch of uh, Cuban cigars, um, and I guess because he went to Cuba, and so you had That's to smoke reason. those out in the in the in the garage. And as you all know, when we get together at Yehuda's house, uh, I only drink cognac and I only eat jalapeno poppies, because um, <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. Everybody, okay, no, just me. Um, <laughs> And actually to the point where when I think about this article, Ron, I actually start hankering for jalapeno poppers and cognac. Like that is actually a really good combination. And, That's uh, the only time? I'm surprised it's not more frequent. It's, it is a really good thing, jalapeno poppers and cognac. I, that's, we don't do advertising for the show, but that's the closest we get. So, <laughs> Does little Debbie make jalapeno poppers? <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of surprise children. Yes. So we were out in... expecting sweet cakes. It would be terrible. Yeah. So we were sitting out in in Yehuda's garage, and Ron just all of a sudden takes out a couple figures and starts explaining this theory. That's not true. (laughs) Dude, come on. That's not true. How did it happen then? Fine. You you paint the picture, uh, Mr. Writer Man. I think somehow it came up. I didn't have the figures on me. Like, I don't carry these things like on the Chewbacca (laughs) bandolier strap around at all (laughs) times. Uh, we were talking about it or something, and then and then uh, you and Yehuda ran upstairs to grab the figures. That's what happened. Okay. In all fairness, Ron did not have his bandolier on that. I did. Bring well, yeah. I mean, there. sometimes I carry them around, but just not at that specific occasion. Okay. So, so what is the the gist of this article? Because, in my opinion, this is revolutionary and amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's pretty interesting. I don't think a ton of people know about it. I know Chris sort of touched on it in, was it last month's podcast? And then you had said that we had talked about it earlier and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I mean, Chris has known about it a while. And, you know, I have known, I guess, because we were involved in sort of finding some of those sculpts, um, which is basically that some of the early action figure sculpts, so the original, you know, wax art for the figures, some of those original ones were redone so a sculptor re-sculpted over the original sculpts to make later figures. Um, and the one that was known, you know, a while back was the, the Hoth Stormtrooper, which was sculpted over the original Stormtrooper. And we know that because when the Hoth Stormtrooper sculpt surfaced, 
there was some documentation that basically said sculpted over original stormtrooper. Now, wh where um, would that documentation come from? It's just a sculptor had it. You know, it's not. It was just like a, a note or whatever that was with the sculpt. And does that, note, that. does that note still exist, Chris? Yes. Um, you know, the, these people just these a lot of these sculpts were just these little sandwich bags and things, and there would be a little, you know, a little scrap of paper shoved in there with something, and that one said sculpted over the original, you know, and that was the extent of the, you know, what they needed to pass along. You know, like where where the starting point was, and is that a simple little note like that? I mean, but you can imagine we're sitting there pulling these things out, you know, and they haven't maybe been looked at in a while, and it's just like, oh, geez, look at this one. It's got a little note in there, and it's like, oh, man, this thing was, it says sculpted over original Stormtrooper, which it's cool that the sculptors went out of their way to document that in that instance. Um, but, I mean, yeah, obviously... I don't know the Rosetta Stone, it tells you that piece yeah. of information that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense, but those two figures, they don't look that much alike. But, mm -hmm. you know, once you see that, suddenly it rings a bell, like, oh, geez, to save time, they just went and grabbed this one and they redid it. Uh, but obviously the implication from that is that, you know, this could have happened a number of times, and I think it, you know, certainly probably did, and I think that explains why some of the early sculpts never have turned up. You know, that's one of the reasons, I think, is because they redid them. Uh, you know, people always speculated, too, that, you know, maybe Han and Luke and Leia, that they redid those or reworked those in the later versions of those characters. Uh, but the reason it came up at, you know, Yehuda's house is because earlier, well, I guess in late or mid-2015, a collector who, uh, you know, has some information about the Bosque sculpt you know, I met up with him at my place, and he had actually shown me some similar documentation related to Bosk, um, and that that was actually resculpted over Blue Snaggletooth, which was another thing that I, I'd never thought about. And I remember, you know, talking to Chris about it later, and he said, "Well, geez, I never thought about that." But when you look at those two figures together, some, suddenly it's it's sort of obvious that they're pretty similar. It's not sort um, of obvious. It it's, is. it's like over, hitting you over the head obvious, yeah. It's like, yeah, what it's like the hell? Yeah. They are so similar. And I guess it's because people never really played with them at the same time. <laughs> right? Because so few people well, had the blue snaggletooth. I mean, I know. Yeah. There's hundreds of thousands of them, I know. It's not like stinking rare, but still. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird, you know, it's just one of those things that is right there in front of you, but you never really see until someone mentions it. Um, so I think that's what we were talking about sitting there in your garage, you know, half drunk and smoking our cigars, and I had brought it up, and, and then there was a debate about whether it really happened or not, and I was like, no, no, seriously, if you take the figures, and that's when you guys ran up to get the figures, and you brought them down. Well, and the, then the we big were, debate was like, between Han and Han Hoth. Mm. Yeah, because I had been actually planning to do a blog post about this for a while, and I and I had looked at the early figures and compared them with the l later ones, and I wanted to find one where I thought I could speculate that maybe it was redone. And, and the Han Hoth one was the one that seemed the most suggestive to me, just because those arms on that thing and the head are so much like the original Han that it's like it's hard to miss when you really look at them closely. And uh, so that was the debate. And, you know, I don't know if they redid that one. I mean, I think it's there's a good chance that it was reworked. 
but there's no way to prove it without some sort of documentation. So that one's just speculative. But yeah, that's what we got into a debate about was whether or not they redid that. And I think one of the points brought up was that they would never do that because you, why would the, why would Kenner waste a scope like that just to save some hours? You know, well, I don't think those guys really thought about that stuff that much. I mean, obviously they they preserved it pretty well, even to the extent where they documented some resculpts, but. You know, I mean, if you're pressed for time, and in that period, Star Wars to Empire, they were pressed for time. And, you know, Rudy Vap or whoever, who's the sculpt of, the, the head of sculpting at that time, says, ah, you know, just redo this one. You know, the guy who's working on the figure isn't going to sit there and question it too much. And it wouldn't shock me if it was redone. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if Luke Bespin was done over the original Luke or Leia Bespin was done over original Leia just because that would have been an easy thing to do. And, and those figures are all fairly similar if you look at them. Now, what about Luke X-Wing and the B-Wing pilot? <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely... That did huh. not... That, the B-Wing pilot's its own sculpt. Yeah, there's no way that could have been done because the B-Wing pilot is, a, it is an acetate, so... Oh. so well, oh, that, sorry, You know Sky. the deal with that, right? Is that some, <laughs> some sculpts are in wax and some are in acetate. And the ones we're talking about, the only way to redo redo one of these things as if it's wax because that's really malleable. No, the shocking one was the Joe on Walrus Man. I think most people were surprised by it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're onto something there, Yehuda. You know, that, you could, there could be a connection. Um, but hey, Kobe, how the, only way to, um, the only way to really use an acetate in that way would be to make a mold of it and maybe pour wax into it and use that as a starting point. But the, that doesn't isn't as helpful because you don't have like the, the the brass buck in there and everything, so it, it doesn't save as much time to do that. Now, is, is there any way, actually, this is a good question for Chris Enron, is there any way to look at a figure and know if it was originally sculpted in acetate or wax? Uh, not just to look at the production figure, really, although okay. I guess you could guess just based on the details. But, but like based, like maybe on how straight the lines are mm -hmm. or... Yeah, I mean, you could sort of make a good guess. I mean, but the the real the real way to know is to look at the the hard copies that have turned up because most of the the way Lemon sculpted his pieces was in segments. You know that the torso usually was in two parts, and he had those limbs like sandwiched in there. Um, so he he constructed his hard copies so it wasn't like pins just going into a solid torso. The torsos are usually in two parts, and when they made the hard copies, a lot of times they would make the hard copy torsos in two parts. So when you see that hard copy construction, you know it's a lemon. Um, although that doesn't always hold because, like, the B-wing pilot sculpt isn't constructed. I was just going to say the B-wing has a peg hole in it. That's a yeah, lemon. That's, but that's I think later. The Kenner guys were told him that he didn't really need to do that, and it was just wasting his time to build all that complexity into him. And so I think later on he may have eased off on not doing that. But a lot of the sculpts that he did, there's constructed in that way and we i think we pretty much know chris chris can correct me if i'm wrong but i think we pretty much know almost all the ones lemon did i don't know if there's much doubt about that that might be a good blog post sometime like all of the bill lemon school and he was the only one who worked in acetate yeah at oh. kenner for kenner okay so and then so then I guess this has led, I would say, to the most responses I've ever seen on a blog post on the archive, um, yeah. which is no, eight, eight I, comments. It's 
struck a nerve somehow, but... <laughs> Woo! Set the internet on fire. Um, it's yeah. not as good as a mail call picture. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen cardboard boxes get <laughs> ten times the responses. <laughs> yeah. It's um, nothing compared to, you know, uh, some sort of Facebook post about, yeah, some random thing. But you know, if as far as the uh, archive blog posts go, yeah, I got a pretty good response. Right, and so what I think is really fun is just the the, I mean, because it really is hard. I get it. So it's it's a cost saving measure, not in terms of the fact that wax costs money, but in the term that labor costs money. Um, so they would do it that way, and I mean, how much time have? Because it is there's pretty possible that there are things just as obvious that we haven't thought about. I mean, the ATAT driver and the Tie Fighter pilot is a good example of. I mean, I don't. Well, they don't seem that similar, but it could be, and we never thought of it. The Anat driver is another acetate, so they couldn't have redone mm. that one. Uh, but sure. they could have made a, a good point. It. it makes you look at them differently. You might they, know they could have you hadn't picked up before. Yeah, they could have taken. They could have like what Ron said was taken a mold off of the Adat driver as acetate. Take make a mold in wax, mm-hmm. and then work it into a tie pilot because that was a later figure. Right. But it's hard to know. Those are. Then you're getting into the speculation. Like Ron posted those photos of the ones we definitely know that that they wrote that they made one from the other. But beyond that, you start really speculating. Um, But I think you you were were asking how can you tell some of those figures you could tell um, just about how stiff they were in terms of like positioning and, and like. That that they were done in acetate because you know the guy he he didn't have a lot of like it doesn't lend itself to sort of like organic shapes and things so he was you know he did like eight d eight that was like a, a nice easy a droid to do but right uh, now is is it's it hard possible? to tell though because yeah. EV ninety nine is one you'd think was acetate but it wasn't it was wax well, so true like, sometimes you could. <clears throat> drive yourself nuts trying to figure it out. But now, and just keep in mind, too, Sky, about the, the saving time. I mean, remember that a lot of these things are just melted down. I mean, sculptors told us, oh, yeah, you know, we had that sculpt, but we melted it down for the wax. I mean, when you're doing that, <laughs> you know, it's it's actually more productive just to redo something than to melt it down. I mean, you know, the bottom line is that these things were not always preserved. I mean, the Kenner guys did a really good job saving things, and I think they came to care about it, but that's not 100% of the time. A lot of times it's just, well, we need some wax, go melt that thing down, or, you know, here's a figure that we need to do. Oh, look, there's already one in the exact same pose we want, the same scale and everything. Why don't just do, redo that? You know, that kind of thing obviously happened. I mean, we know it happened. Okay, now, I, I this has prompted some fantasies on, on my part of thinking about things. So you guys are just going to have to indulge me because I've been thinking about these things ever since the, one of those nights of jalapeno poppers and cognac. Um, number one, so Gus has the the wax sculpt of Chewbacca's torso, but not the arms and legs, right? It has the legs. It has the legs, not the arms. So there's a fair chance that those arms were just used in some other... Do you, would that ever happen? That a sculptor would just say, well, these are good enough arms, and so I'll use that for something else? You know, the yeah, thing is, you know, those arms could have broken when the guys were pulling molds. They could have gotten... Anything could have happened to them, and then they somehow made a set of hard copy arms and, and paired it up with that. 
But, you know, once they get the hard copy, a good hard copy, they don't really care about the wax. That's why they would reuse the wax. You know, they're not in the business of maintaining their history. Right. They're just trying to crank a toy out. And that's just – only collectors really care about saving something like that. Okay, so, so theory, but, uh, theory number one shot down. Theory number two. Well, qu- question number two. Could you uh, x-ray a Hoth Stormtrooper uh, – Mold. I mean, a uh, wax, and see any part of the stormtrooper underneath. Could you see if you actually did? You know, uh, we Maybe. talked about Uncle Ron and his X-rays of uh, of early bird figures. That was one thing that he did. He X-rayed things, and that was special. Do you think you could actually kind of the way that the artists are able? I mean, the art historians are able to like look at a painting and say, well, underneath it, you could see this is what was originally done. I I think maybe you could at some, on some low power maybe you could see that there was another layer underneath. I don't know how if it would look exactly like the old stormtrooper under there, but it's possible that you could see maybe a difference in that. I've I've thought about that when that when that thing when we found that I was thinking the same thing in my head. You know, I don't even know if we talked about it at the time that it seems like, if, especially if you have like dense, different density of the waxes, maybe something in there. That you could see something under a, an X-ray. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I would guess. I don't know. If he'd asked me, I would have said, I guess not. But I, I don't know. Chris makes a good point. I guess if, if there were different waxes, I guess maybe they would show up differently. But keep in mind too that there's a lot of melting and stuff too. Mm. Whereas in a painting, even black light like, might show like a difference if they I were mean, put a painting, out a different. A painting would be dry paint, and then it's dry, and then you put a wet layer over it, and it doesn't really melt into each other, whereas I think a lot of that wax stuff is going to combine to a point where it's going to blur it a lot. But who knows? I mean, it would be interesting to see, I guess. Okay, so yeah, we, we got to get Uncle Ron on this because he's the famous guy for for X-Ring stuff. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. Okay, next question. All right, next question. So... um no, okay, I'm not going to ask about R2-D2 and R5-D4 because who cares about that. What about the Friar Tuck sculpt? No, that thing, uh, what Chris said before about, or I think we both said about making a mold of one thing and to redo it, I think that's what happened with that. Because the Friar Tuck is, obviously it's based on the Gamorrean garb, but it's way different too. So Right, I know, but just parts I of it I think they different. made it. it. Does the Gamorrean guard sculpt exist? Yes. Oh, yeah. But damn. it's the the Fire Tuck is not yeah, so I think what happened was they made a mold of like a hard copy of the Gamorrean Guard or whatever and they they based the Fire Tuck on that. You know, they poured on the torso. Yeah. Like they would have taken the torso and the Gamorrean Guard torso, you know, it wraps around the head. Right. If you look at the action figure. But the arms and the legs are, were used directly on the Fire Tuck, so that's the same molds. That tooling would have existed. They'd use that, and I think, yeah, they pulled a mold off of off a torso, reworked the torso, because I don't, because the Gamorrean Guard torso is so different from Friar Tuck that you wouldn't have done, you wouldn't have tried to like change the mold because it's way too many details. But you just re, remold the that mold. the steel mold. That's what I mean, the steel mold. You wouldn't, you you can cut into the steel mold, but that's a lot of work to, you know, because. Fire Tuck, I think, has like a little knife in his belt, and 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 the fur is a little bit different. But yeah, so that's 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 like Ron said. Yes, yeah, totally based on Gamorrean guard, but for sure the arms and the legs are the same, and the torso is you know proportionally. They figured just 
copy it and 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 tweak it into a human form and then you know sculpt a head that pops into the top. Okay. So, I mean, Sky, there's there's three different things. There's one which is the the blog post was on like taking a figure and sculpting over it so you destroy the original sculpt. But then there's also you can a different thing you could do is take a mold of the sculpt or a hard copy fill that with wax and then and sculpt something new and that wouldn't destroy the original sculpt. Right. And then the third thing you can do is what happened apparently with the legs and the arms on the Gamorrean Guard is which is they just reused the already made steel tooling that was out there for the Gamorrean Guard. But then the, the torso of the, of the fire tuck seems to have been based on the, the second thing I mentioned which was you know taking a mold of like a hard copy Gamorrean Guard torso and putting wax in there and then modifying it into the fire tuck. So, I mean, there's a number of different things, but the blog post specifically was about the first thing I mentioned, which was re-sculpting actually over right. a figure. And I, I get that, that there's only two certified documented things. I'm just trying to think, like, sculptors work for different toy companies. So they, did the sculpts belong to the sculptor or did the sculpts belong to the toy company? Yes. I mean, <laughs> so for outsource there was one case where the outsource guy got the original sculpts back that we know usually yeah. they they made the sculpt they sent it to the toy company it belonged to the toy company and the yeah. only reason that guy got it back is because they were done with it and he just wanted and then they were then the sculpting manager was kind enough to just send it back to him yeah but there's usually, only been a very few that have turned up with contract guys all the other stuff was sent to kenner and you know that was that but if you ask for it, they may have sent it back to you because, I mean, if they're not going to do anything with it, I mean, what do they care, really? Okay. Then, I don't think most asked back then. They just left it there. Then this is going to tie into Chris and Mai's uh, uh, new Facebook group, Mr. Palpatorium's Fully Armed and Operational Emperorium. What about <laughs> Charon from Clash of the Titans? Is that the Emperor sculpt just redone? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have an old collecting book I came across yesterday while looking at this tie bomber question that Chris and I were working on. Uh, I have this old sci-fi collecting book that has pictures of the Clash of the Titans sculpts in the sculptor studio, which is pretty neat. Really? That was oddly I don't timed. think Charon is in there, but you know, I don't think but, but the Emperor has no relationship to that regardless, but that's just... <laughs> Made me remember seeing and, that. And another question for Chris: Do you ever call your wife Charon instead of Sharon? Yeah, well, she when, it, when you he, she she heard you saying Charon, she looked at me she was like, "What's going on?" So I have to explain that to her. But no, I have not called her that. I mean, that's like if you guys were a celebrity couple and you got you know and you were together, they would call you Charon, Chris and Sharon. Um, except that's, you don't. I mean, that's what would I be? That's what every every wife wants to be called. Is you know the the, the boat. The boat guy with a skull head who takes people into the underworld. That's right. The ferryman on the, the river sticks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a high romance right there. That, that's some lessons for Steve, who's headed headed across his own river sticks here into the that's marriage right. area. Soon enough. So I, I guess the larger question with that is, you know, is it is there a possibility that whatever sculpts are missing could pop up in other toy lines even? 
Um, I'm just trying to think about how much fun we could have with this going in, in different areas. You could have a whole like ancient alien style show on Discovery about this guy. Right. <laughs> well, do you know who we actually need to help with this is somebody who we were thinking about calling, but we just have too many guests this month. Um, Kevin Lentz, who runs the Three and Three Quarters Archive, and who put an awesome feature on the uh, on the on the archive, um, our archive, the Star Wars Clutchers Archive, about uh, Star Wars read along stuff. But the yeah. three and three quarter uh, website has every three and three quarter toy, so it'd be fun to go through there and imagine which ones could have been sculpted off of. Uh, oh man, uh, it's possible. Bomboy, the guy who had had that thing rework something, but you'd drive yourself nuts. That's an exercise in futility. I think. That's a, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, you, you can't cross toy lines because it didn't help. You know, from company to company, um, they wouldn't have done that. But you know. Along with Friar Tuck, like some of the Robin Hood figures and all, they used some superpowers parts right. on those figures. But for the most part, you know, you don't see that much like reuse. You know, like Ron's written a you know, good old article from way back, you know, like reusing, you know, using the same tooling from one line and turning a t- toy into a Star Wars toy. Mm-hmm. But um, Was Butch Cassidy made the same time as the Luke Skywalker toy? Because that that is essential. People have always yeah speculated. Yeah, that's been Maybe speculated for a while. There was a uh, for sure on some early photography of some some early um, concept photography of Bush Cassidy, and they used Han and Luke figures in there as uh. my, with with cowboy hats on and painted like Western outfits. Yeah, it makes it, that makes it much sculpts, more suspicious. There for was that, some Hey Steve. Actual hey Steve. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. <laughs> have, have, they've been saying interesting stuff the last like 30 seconds, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, see, I got distracted because while what looking happened? up Charon on, uh, on on Facebook, I discovered that there's a series of books called Dungeons and Dragons: Forgotten Realms, and the third book in the Neverwinter Saga by R. A. Salvatore is called <laughs> Charon's Claw. <laughs> I'm gonna have to kill Sharon now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that means both Chris and Sharon, so that that's very. Uh... <laughs> anyway, so that's just funny that R. A. Salvatore went on to do other things. Um, so yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, he is legend. So I would like somebody to please bring uh, everybody. Just if you could just give out copies of Sharon's Claw to the to Yehuda, Chris, uh, Steve, and myself, that'd really be appreciated. <laughs> Get on that. I hope we can follow not having read the first two books of the Neverwinter Saga. Now, it's called the Neverwinter Saga, but they are clearly in snow, so I don't know. It seems like it's always winter, but what do I know? <laughs> well, you know, Brian Stillman's working on a new documentary. It's about the art of Dungeons & Dragons, so there's That's your right. crossover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't trying to get away from the sculpt conversation. I just ended up getting away from it. Oh, Ron. Awesome. Well, that's it's just really fun, and it's exciting to know that there's two confirmed. And uh, what's great is in the in the show notes, a lot of people put a bunch of other ideas, like Leia could have been reused for Forlom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, sleeves. maybe. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> oh, Lobot. Don't Lobot and Forlom have similar sleeves? Yeah, they do. Hey, that's that's a good point. Yeah. I like your sleeves. 
The little Lobot, the Lobot sculpt is out there, so I don't think that. Ah, uh, yeah. See, this is this is how you find out what sculpts are out there. You start yeah, I know. <laughs> just this asking the, these guys, like, oh, what about this? Because yeah. I, I would say it's safe to, it's safe to say that between the two of you, you know every sculpt that's out there and where it is, right? Oh, uh, most of them, I guess. Of course. And, and and you don't always want to share that information, so we'll just keep doing oh. this. We'll be like, <laughs> people say that, like, oh, you guys are, but you know, sometimes the stuff isn't yours. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know this, that, and this, because um, yeah, you know, it's no. not really my place to... So, so Steve, uh, I think that FX7 was um, the basis of Nikto. What do you guys think, Chris and, <laughs> Chris and Ron? Do you think that Nikto and FX7 are the same, or are there two different sculpts of those, and where are they? Okay. Well, FX7 <laughs> would have been patterned. It wouldn't have been sculpted. <laughs> well, I was able to say something. Chris, don't don't give him. Don't don't give. Don't don't get him started. Don't get Sorry. him started. <laughs> Wait a minute. FX seven would have been patterned. I don't even know that. Yeah, out of wood. You, you do the right thing and you answer like with a legitimate answer to his. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're learning something, Steve. You see. This yeah. Is the, see, it's it's productive. The point of wisdom, Steve, is to, you know, a wise man does not oppress others with his knowledge. Okay. A great man said that in a great movie. And one of our listeners will enjoy that. And he's on the phone call at this exact moment. So, um, did you get it wrong? Uh, I'm, I'm drifting here, man. I'm sorry. That was the Jack Plants from Contempt. A wise man does not oppress others with his superiority. To know that one does not know is the gift of a superior spirit. Not to know and to think that one does know is a mistake. To know that this is a mistake keeps one from making it. Um, okay. Believe it or not. In probably 15 years. Yeah. Anyway, so FX7, it was, a, so that was like a wood pattern, not, not anything else? Yeah, that's probably why you were going to talk about R5D4 and, and R2D2. Oh, right, because those would both be wood patterns as well. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, the R2, I mean, there's a picture on the archive, and presumably, obviously they use the same body, but presumably they also just pattern the head for the R5. Well, I must admit, that is going to be a future topic, because I have, the, the concept of wood patterning actually doesn't make any sense to me. I, I hear the words like wood pattern. I'm like, cool. Yeah, B-Wing. Yeah, Million Falcon. Uh-huh. Wood pattern. Cool. stupidity. It's awesome. Well, what no... wouldn't make sense about it? It's just wood stupidity. All right, yeah. Steve, do, I, Steve, do I have to put in a, a vocab drop here, Steve? <laughs> it might be uh, All right, I'm doing it. Here comes yeah. the vocab drop. We let them folks change our vocabulary. Change our vocabulary. <laughs> It's vintage. Okay, so here we are. You guys wanted the vocab drop. What in the world? I don't understand wood pattern. What does it mean? Chris. Uh, Chris, okay. So wood pattern is... You know, you have sculptors working in their medium, usually wax, and Ron had mentioned, you know, the acetate. But the wood patterns are, you know, these guys are like model makers, and they're making a model out of wood. 
And that is the actual original sculpture of that toy. You know, they typically use this for like ships and things that are mechanical, things with hard edges. And and it's pattern making. It's it's you know because that's going to go into. I, don't, I understand the concept of wood that comes from a tree. It's the word pattern yeah. that doesn't make sense to me because I don't I don't design um, you know uh, lawnmowers for a living, so I don't understand pattern. What does that mean? Yeah, it's like it's like a flower. It's like a flat. You cut it out and you stitch it on your blue jeans. Dude, don't confuse me because I'm lost here. No. <laughs> don't tease me. You're just fooling. Oh, it's what it's 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 what it's you called. You just carve it's a not... piece of wood. You just carve a piece of wood, and then you take a piece of silicone. Or you pour silicone oh, on top hey, of it, and you, you Yehuda, if I can like know anything would... from the coin thing, we don't have you explain. Oh anything. my God! Yeah, he's already. <laughs> Oh, it's already incorrect. <laughs> it's already screwed up. Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, so basically, you know, those guys, you know, if you're, they know how the ship is going to be like, let's say two halves. Let's say like a Millennium Falcon or something. You know, it's it's too big. The hull's like a top and a bottom. Yes. And each part's going to be from its own mold. Okay. You know, and, you know, maybe – and and anyway, so so they you know okay, we're gonna make the top half. It's like okay, we only need a top half of this thing, so they can make the whole thing out of wood. And what they would do, you know, they they would they would cut all the individual pieces, glue them in there. Sometimes they would use like auto body filler, like Bondo, not the Ewoks Bondo, but the auto body filler, yes. and use that to, to to add in detail. Sometimes they would machine things out of plastic and glue them in there. But basically, you're trying to make this thing. It's just, and it's usually made of mahogany, uh, especially the ones in, in from the 70s and the 80s. Um, so they're machining all these individual parts. They're just like model makers, you know, putting these things together. Wait, and you end up machining. So meaning like they would take a hunk of mahogany, um, like Ron Burgundy's library. So they would take the mahogany and they would cut it. They would like use like cutting machine deals. Yeah, yeah, like band saws or whatever. And like you're cutting all the classes. It's, it's it's like if you tried. It's like if I gave you a pile of two by fours and say, Sky, start cutting these things and start cutting all the little pieces together and and putting them together like a Lego set to make it look like you know a B wing fighter or whatever. You know, so they they just they're they're creating this thing out of wood from all these little pieces that they're going to glue together. Okay. And then so they have their pattern, and what they do is then they would they would pour an epoxy um, on this thing and pull that. That would be you, you'd have a, a negative, and that's what they call the duplicating aid. So, and then so, so an epoxy is glue, right? Yeah, I like epoxic resin. Okay. So you're not making a silicone mold on these. You're making a hard mold. Okay, and then a, they a hard mold, some kind of resin. So you're, so you have like this, this wood Millennium. Let's say a wood Millennium, just the top piece of the Millennium Falcon. Okay, so the piece that you always lose when your brothers give you your half broken Millennium Falcon. So let's pretend you're just that top piece that goes in and covers up. So let's pretend that someone carved that out of wood and then they pour epoxy on that on the bottom and the top of what they've carved. On one side. Okay. And then, um, I don't know if you noticed, actually, that's a good example. The, the Millennium Falcon, on the inside of that panel, the outside, you know, it's all, it's all, it's got it's all its details, but the inside, mm -hmm. it's almost like, like somebody like mush clay around. It's yeah. not completely smooth. Cause they, 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 they pulled the mold from that, from the outside. And then, you know, 
they when they're doing the the tooling, they actually sort of like sort of hand did what the inside surface would be because it it didn't matter. Right. But, but anyway, you're pulling that mold off. You you end up with this epoxy negative, and that's what what they copy with their into to to the steel tool because the steel tool is a negative as well. So this is called a duplicating aid, and they follow that with their with their tooling or their or their panograph machine, tracing out this thing on the duplicating aid, and it's cutting the identical negative um, relief into steel. But basically, it's the same thing. as like a pattern is just what the industry term is for for using those, and they use wood patterns for all sorts of things. You know, yeah, anytime you have a uh, like a, especially um, like uh, like cast iron things, um, you know, those are made in found things made of foundries in, in a foundry. You know, you make a sand casting around a, a, a pattern, and that's just the the industry term for what what that is. It's yeah, it's kind of most of those things aren't going to fit together like a complete sculpture, like a, a figure does. Like mm-hmm. they'd be done in components. Like so, what each tool was like if it's just like the Falcon back, it would just be that. And you know, each little part of the toy is done as a separate you know wood element. And, and, and just to tie it back into Lemon, you know, he I, look, I looked at an old article of his, about him that was in an old model kit magazine a while back. And he actually referred to his sculpts as patterns because he he fashioned them in such a way that like each the torso each half of the torso requires a separate you know tool element so he that's why he did the torsos in two, in two different pieces so the toy company could just take them and they could mount that torso on like a board and then use that and take an epoxy off of that and use that as a duplicating aid or a tooling aid. So that's how he did his model kits, and that's how he was setting up the figures to send to Kenner. But then they weren't using them in that way, so they were like, well, you don't need to keep doing them in these all these different weird parts. You can just do the torso as one part. But I, I don't know why you would call something a pattern and something else a sculpt, but I think it's – a sculpt is more like you're making it in wax, whereas like lemon is – is making those things out of a hard element, and the guys doing the patterns are sort of building them up from wood and other elements. So it's it's kind of like I think it's organic versus little mechanical, right? Yeah. So okay, so that's why all the ships were wood. If you just want to understand it, the the pattern is just a sculpt. It's just a wood sculpt. A wood sculpt. Okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Same sort of thing. Okay, and then because I mean, if you look at like there's like the the back end of the – you have that, right, Ron? The back end of the X-Wing? X-Wing, yeah. Right, So, because that just looks like a wood sculpture. So I see. So they would have poured epoxy on that. But it's that. not really carved so much as it's like there's different pieces of wood and it's like pieced in together. You know, it's all built up into like a model. I mean, there might be a little bit of carving, but it's mostly like – like Chris said, it's – they're they're machining it and, and and cutting out pieces on like a saw and 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 gluing that stuff in there and it really tight joins uh, to sort of make this thing. According, they probably working. I'm sure they're working off a blueprint that shows exactly what each piece, the size, each thing needs to be, and all that. Well, I think they show that the overall look. You know, it's sort of like making your own Lego blocks as you're trying to build something. You know, you're 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 cutting each piece out. You're you're designing each piece. Right. And putting it on there and building it up. It's just like making a model kit, you know, put a model kit together, except they're making each piece and then they're putting it on. Right. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, good. Steve, uh, you knew all that, huh? <laughs> uh, in in concept, yeah. I mean, never heard it explained step by step like that. But yeah, yeah it makes sense. I think if they just called them wood mold, I probably would have understood it the whole time. Oh, that sounds like something. That sounds like <laughs> that something sounds a lot like, like kit fashion. You know, like what they were doing with a lot of the models early on at ILM, like just doing the wood, the wood, the wood pattern, the wood sculpt, and then also gluing on and adding on these other pieces until they just get a final concept of what it looks like. Because it's this bigger piece that you can't make out of one one material, like you would like a wax or a three-inch quarter-inch figure. Yeah, I mean it's important I think to understand it. I think just from a collector standpoint that when you have a figure sculpt, it's like that thing pretty much all fits together, and it's like you can it looks like a figure, but the patterns don't work like that. Like the X-wing, the piece that I have on the back is done at two-up scale, and I believe the rest of it, you know the 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 rest of the the body of the the, the ship was actually done at, at one one to one scale, so I mean it wouldn't fit together. You're just going to have all these different components, um, right? Know, so it's a sort of a different sort of idea. Yeah, and, th- and that's all. It's funny for the Thai pilot. We're talking all about the X-wing mold, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you actually have the actual mold itself, too. Well, yeah, that's an aluminum tool that they used. They took that back end and they yeah, must they have did. made a, a duplicating aid off of it and they cut that thing in aluminum probably to make early prototypes, you know, proto-molded stuff. Wow. Um, so, But okay. they probably also would have, yeah, it would have been done in steel too, but I don't know how, the, I can't remember if the guy remember knew how that pattern stayed at Kenner because usually that stuff would have been sent to an outside vendor who would who would have done the steel tooling but maybe he asked for it back or something I can't remember now how he got it back wow look at that Steve huh? I just mentioned FX7 <laughs> and we get all this that's, that's a good tactic that's great I think we're, yeah. we're going to talk about that instead of having our debate D8 about uh, that other <laughs> ridiculousness that I'm worried about um, <laughs> I think that's probably a smart play. Yes. When in doubt, uh, <laughs> cut off my ridiculousness. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I think uh, Ron needed to get to bed because he's got a, a big day of uh, uh, West Point basketball to organize. Um, oh, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> how, how is West Point basketball doing, Ron? Uh, the women are um, headed towards the uh, NCAA championship here, or the tournament, I should say. So if we win two more games... Why are you asking this in a Star Wars podcast? Be, this I is want, like your. I want to see how far you go with it, Ron. I can't believe no, you know like that. Your own fantasy ball. This is like your fantasy uh, baseball stuff. Yeah, the end of this podcast is always about sports. Oh, hey, actually, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Um, so, listen, there's two spots open in the fantasy baseball league this year, and there's three oh, of geez. you. But we would love to have you guys on. If now is the time to jump on. You know, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the bench on this and let these guys, Chris and you, who to, to take that up because I know oh, they're eager no, to do I that. Hey, listen, okay. you guys will never finish in last as long as you're playing against. You know, Steve. I can give Martin Thurn a call. He might be interested. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, Ron needs to get to sleep, and uh, I don't know what else we're doing, Steve. We're gonna. Ha- oh, we have all of our usual features. Were we gonna do those ourselves, or are we gonna do that uh, with uh, everybody on? What was our That's up to those guys. Um, uh, yourselves are good. All right. Cool. Well, then, um, Steve, I guess I'll just be calling you back, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to all these guys. Make them feel wanted. He's a good holy man.
Alright, Steve, so that was good. <laughs> it's always, yeah, tangents are kind of part of the game when we have those guys on, but they're always good tangents, so. Well, you know, again, it's, it's you know, last month the, the whole thing about uh, our site, our show being kind of inner circle-y, um, I don't think that's really accurate. I think our show is just archive <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's really because that's the thing is, I mean, if 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 we could just get people who know as much as Ron and Chris to share what they know, um, then we are really doing a service for collectors. And of course, it's not like they haven't shared it all over the place. All I mean, everything right. that that I just was asking about with the wood sure. pattern, yeah, uh, is in a beautiful write up that Ron wrote for the archive. Just type in X wing pattern, yeah, uh, wood pattern, and you'll find it on Google. Um, but of course, I didn't because I'm just like every other jerk out there. I don't spend enough time on the archive. <laughs> Well, hey, it's all right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's the home of the podcast, right? So we gotta we gotta do what yes. we can to to get that stuff out there. So it's always yeah. good. And you just you can't know everything. No, um, or true. can't know very much at all. Uh, hey, we're prime examples. <laughs> yes. So um, we were going to go into the nugget, and we were going to go into the unloved, but we're actually going to have to jump ahead in time. Yes. And we're going to do something that we've never done. Yes, we've never uh, done. We've never done. We've not. never asked one of the hosts of uh, the Vintage Rebellion to come on and talk. Um, we've certainly mentioned uh, Richard a bunch because um, you know he's been a, a tried and true space freak since. Yeah, yeah. Since maybe day one. I mean, it, very I mean, early. Way back. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the high-ranking space freaks, uh, to be certain. <laughs> Uh, and then, um, you know, when we thought about doing the, the the episode about the TIE Fighter pilot, when we started doing ep, um, character by character, I remember thinking, oh, there's that Welsh dude who collects the TIE Fighter pilot. Um, so six years later, or whatever, five years later, here we are. And so we're going to be talking to Grant uh, about the TIE Fighter pilot. And so we'll talk about the Unloved and the uh, the Nugget with him. So let's go forward in future. And uh, talk to the only Thai fighter pilot in the village. Did I say fighter pilot? <laughs> you might have, but you know. <laughs> you never, All right, Steve. Well, uh, we recorded the first half of the episode a couple days ago. We're now forward in the future. Yeah. And we are speaking right. to somebody <laughs> nine hours ahead of you, six hours ahead of me. We're speaking to Grant Criddle. How's it going, Grant? Hi, guys. We uh, we were just talking about the fact that you may end up interviewing us because you're used to that. Um, this is some <laughs> some pretty intense cross podcasting energy going here. It's like uh, Ghostbusters or something. We're going to explode the universe. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be. Uh... It's going to be really weird uh, on the other side of the fence. I hope it's not like the new Ghostbusters trailer. You know, I don't see what the problem is with it. Everyone says it looks so bad. I think it looks okay. I don't know. Steve, what's your take on it? Do you think it looks terrible? I, I didn't think it looked terrible. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to see it. Just I, I tend to, to distrust trailers generally, right. so I'll, I'll wait till I see it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, cool. It's great having you on, Grant. Glad we could have that talk. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so you are you are in Cardiff, is that right? I'm just outside of Cardiff. I'm about thirty miles out in the uh, 
Brecon Beacons. It's sort of like a national park that we have out here, and about 30 miles from the capital in uh, beautiful uh, South Wales. Because Cardiff is the capital of Wales, right? That is correct, yes. yeah. All right. You know, we like to try to do a little bit of, uh, you know, geographical information, like when we learned that in Singapore they speak English. That was a little bit embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it's, it's good as well to, to, to differentiate uh, Wales from England. You know, you have Great Britain. A lot of time people say, uh, you know, those, you know, maybe those guys from England, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not from England. I'm from Wales. You know? Yeah, it'd be like he's in, uh, well, not really. Maybe like maybe like Canadians and Americans or Australian and New Zealand. You know, it's same, same but different. Yeah, I, I feel like your <laughs> podcast. Like what I would like, maybe if you ask you to do an enhanced version where you just put up little flags of who's talking, so I can identify the accent. Because like. Right. What kind of accent is Richard's? Is that like a is that like a um, that Newcastle accent or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a George, which is way out there. And you know, what seems really strange in the UK is a really small country, yet there's you know regional dialects are really strong. Yeah. So I wonder if I go to somewhere you know like a, a completely foreign country like I don't know like Thailand. To me, everyone sounds the same, but I wonder if their dialect is as strange as ours. You know, the regional accents are. As wild as ours every 30 miles. Yeah, I, I was really good friends with a Mank, uh, who was this girl. I wasn't really in love with her, but sort of for a little bit. And uh, she was, had the strongest Manchester accent, and she was teaching English. And I remember thinking, these kids aren't going to learn anything because you couldn't understand a word she was saying. Right, yeah. And you, you literally only have to go 30 miles, and people sound completely different. So. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we've got Stu and Pete on the podcast as well, and they come across quite standard. Jez, if he's had a drink, he's from Bristolian, so he's got that South Somerset, uh, Southwest accent that can that can come out a little strong sometimes. But he's usually pretty good as well. But me and Rich, we're we're you know barely audible sometimes. Well, you know, we didn't come on to talk about about geography, uh, although That's right. although it, all, it is always interesting. We are here to talk about the Thai pilot. You'll be happy to know, Grant, that we have actually talked a fair amount about the Thai pilot. Um, I may or may not have recorded a version of the uh, Eric Burden and the Animal song "Sky Pilot." Um, but that's not the only thing that we've done with the Thai pilot, and you know we want to, no. we want to have you on now. What makes somebody a Thai pilot collector? What what was it that pushed you into collecting a Thai pilot? Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, really, I think if we go back to, I was only briefly a part of sort of like Rebel Scum community in the 2000, 2001, 2002. And I was also collecting a lot of Powers of Force 2 as well as vintage stuff back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I left and when I came back, uh, started collecting again in around about 2005 for a bit, and then 2009 I started collecting just like I was back in the 90s. Found online communities like Star Wars Forum UK then in 2011, and I couldn't believe how much the the whole uh, hobby had changed. And so I started, you know, discovering, you know, all the, all of these people who had gone before who had made all of these great sort of discoveries and had studied it. There was great threads on card backs and card back rarities and prototypes and coins and everything had gone really deep and I sort of like wanted to fast track my way into learning all this and one of the one of the most amazing ideas I came across was the idea of doing a focus and all these people that have done these focuses over the last 10 years so I was able to see like a Luke X-Wing focus or a Luke Bespin focus even 
some of the other characters that maybe aren't so popular, like you know, Clatter uh, or Lobot. Right. I saw them in a focus. I mean, they just looked incredible. So, you know, I started thinking as I was putting my carded run together, you know, maybe I should think about doing a focus, but couldn't decide what to do because obviously there's a lot of things you really need to think about. If you're going to do a, a 12-back figure, you're you're going to put yourself, you know, that's, that's going to be an expensive figure in which to collect, especially when you get on those 20 backs and, you know, 20D, 20E, 20F. So, um... Well, of course, you can just go card front like I did, and that saves you a lot of trouble. But I know the the, the, <laughs> the kids these days, they're... I was talking to your, uh... Well, not your country mate, but your uh, United Kingdom mate, uh, James Martin, and he was asking me, like, how hard is it to find a 20 B, C, D, E, and F, and G? I'm like, I don't know. I, mm. I, I know it's hard to find a C, because that's what I was looking for, and I got the one I wanted, but beyond that, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, uh, James will find out, definitely. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's got quite a Chewbacca focus on the go there. Yeah, he does. The, uh, I mean, the, the TIE pilot isn't even my favorite figure. It's a figure I really like. Um, it reminds me a lot of sort of like the rock and heavy metal days of my teen years. Um <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I think my favorite figures are like the Royal Guard, the Biker Scout, the Jawa. But it occurred to me as I was going through all the figures, and it took it took ages. I really thought about which figure to get. The very first figure I had was the TIE Fighter Pilot, and I still have it. And I thought, well, it's on the Empire Strikes Back range, so you, you've got the Empire card and the Jedi card. So I thought it might be a good idea to sort of investigate it. And then when I started investigating it and looking into all the different types, it's sort of like, you know... There are examples of it in different countries. Some are really rare. Some are easy to find. And not many people have done that much research. I couldn't find... I'd only find two focus uh, collections that had happened previously that were posted online. But a lot of the stuff hadn't been discovered. You know, there wasn't any detailed account of everything that had ever been done that I could find. Or, you know, I'd ask people and they'd say, well, try this person. Or, you know, they'd give me some information so I found in some ways I was trailblazing a little bit with it. And, uh, you know, that, and, I, and that, not oh. to interrupt, but I was actually thinking about that because I was getting ready to, to interview you and I thought, I don't know, Steve, but when I thought TIE Pilot, I didn't think of anybody else. I, and, yeah, neither did I. And so I, was, I realized there's something that we've never talked about on this, on this show. And, you know, uh, Grant's talking about how different it was in 2001 to 2005. Obviously, from right. 2005 to now, it's as different as it could possibly be. Sure, but totally. If you go to StarWarsDatabases.com backslash focus.php, you can find a complete list of all the people who were doing character focus runs of certain characters at whenever this was made, which I assume was like 2008 or something. Yeah, it must have been something like that. Yeah, yeah and it's all got the rebels come in. It's just kind of this fun little like. Uh, it's like an old uh, like an old directory. Yeah, almost. yeah, it's like an old, yeah, it's almost like a, like a Kenner directory or something. And and I was looking at it, and I, I figured it must be pretty old because I remember. I mean, Grant, you've been collecting you've been collecting Tie Pilot for a while, at least as long as I can remember. And the only name here was BWA, who I vaguely remembered. Is he still collecting, Grant? Um, I I've, I've never come across that. The guy who had a focus collection. When I started, was a guy called Scott on Rebel Scum. Hmm. Maybe a Scott M, I think it was. Right. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was. He was selling. He'd already started selling his uh, a Type Pilot Focus, but he had one or two pieces left, and he was. He really started the ball rolling for me by saying, "You know, check out this. Look out for this figure because I've never seen one." And then it started occurring to me, "Oh, hang on a minute. There's even Kenner cards out there that are tricky to get. I didn't expect mm -hmm. that." 
and you know that's that's where it starts getting really exciting then oh yeah no, that's that's one of my questions then but actually before i get there so have you never been to the thai pilot division website um it, it's uh, pretty obscure so it's 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 this swedish guy and maybe matthias must know him but he made this site i don't know if he's been on there since 2008 but it's this really rad design site. It's all about his collection, and it's a TIE fighter pilot thing, and it's all cool. I'll, I'll try to – let me see if I can Facebook message you or I don't know how to do all this stupid stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's it's cool because it's – I mean it's not – the collection isn't you know half as nice as yours or whatever, but it's just kind of a – again, it's sort of another weird callback to back oh, man. To, to when people used to just always have to do websites for their, for their right, focuses. Right. Um, right. So, anyways, maybe you can track down some stuff from him if he has anything you don't have. Um, but do you remember him, yeah, Steve? I've... BWA. No, that that name doesn't like, like Scott M. Definitely rings a bell. I don't remember this this other one. No, and I'm just looking at this website now, and this is <laughs> it's pretty crazy. How did I've never seen this? I, I've never seen it either. I just I just looked at it. Black winged angel. That's what BWA stands for. And uh, oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> maybe Grant can buy the rights and. Uh, and take it over. <laughs> so then, that, well, it's uh, what's sorry, but I, you just you just actually inspired me. One of the problems I'm having at the moment with the uh, Tie Fighter Pilot Focus is all the cool Focus collectors all have a name. You know, like you have the Chuseum and you know all these different names, and I've never been able to come up with a Tie Fighter Pilot Focus name for the museum. I was thinking like something to do with docking base, but maybe you know if you guys could put it out there, maybe people who listen to the Kivecast could come up with a. A clever name. All right. Well, that's that's been something I've been known to think about a lot. So I, you have. I, I will yeah. now probably. I have to get it out of my head, or else it'll all I'll be thinking about this entire interview. I'll be saying words, but the whole time I'll be thinking, you know, like ship to ship. No, there's nothing there. Grant. I don't know. Wales. Welsh. Welsh. Welsh wings. Thai. No, I don't know. Oh yeah. So I, I need to I need to get that out of my head. I, I think you could do better than Black Winged Angel, which doesn't sound like high school heavy metal days it sounds like high school like you know emo rock days um, yeah <laughs> but uh, so so what is one thing i always find interesting when talking to focus collectors what are the things that you we would be surprised to know are really rare um well on the, the you'd think that a, a kenner run would be pretty straightforward right uh but what i have found you know, the first thing that really stuck out to me, and I've been speaking to quite a few of the collectors that collect the, the fronts with stickers on. And so far in the last, what we're looking at now, four years, only one TIE Fighter pilot, Return of the Jedi 65 back with the free coin offer stickers turned up. Huh. And only two on the 77 back. Oh. Well, you mean 77 so, back at all or 77 back with the sticker? 77 back with the free coin sticker right. on it. Huh. There's only been two that, two of those that have turned up that are in collections. I managed to pick up the 65 back, and that's the only one I've seen in four years. It's not to say that there isn't more out there, but you see a lot of free coin stickers. So that was quite you know, surprising already. Another one which I found which was really difficult was the 77 back with the Anakin sticker on the front. That was mm. really difficult to find. Yeah, oh, see, I love that. I, I, I love thinking, like, I never would have thought about a 77-back TIE fighter pilot being rare or not, but just the idea that that's, right, right. that's hard to track down. I love that stuff. Well, the, the thing that makes me nervous is, you know, when um, I've never, I've always been very vocal about U-grading, and I think people just disregard Kenner 
uh, Kenner cars to say like, oh, it's just a Kenner car. They made hundreds of them, but you don't really know. And I think this proves the point that you could just, it might be a beaten up 65 back uh, TIE fighter pilot with the free coin sticker on it, but it might be, you know, the only second one that exists. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, as as far as like the international stuff, I, you sent you sent the picture, and I see the Lily Letty, but I don't see. Is there other stuff that you're like really trying to track down that's that you know is out there, or is there? I I, I wouldn't even think to know what's out there besides the the tri logo. Uh, yeah, you well, you've got the Kenner Canada. They've managed uh, to put three cards together. You have the transitional sticker, the mm. Empire, and the Jedi card. I missed out on the. Jedi card two weeks ago as we have a new TIE pilot focus collector called Bjorn who started up about three or four weeks ago and he managed to get that right underneath my nose. I was about 10 minutes late on that one. <laughs> Isn't um, it great when face- a new guy joins? You're just like, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. One second. Let me just get my knife. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy to have more competition. This is great. I love it. Love you. Anyway. <laughs> well, we've made a we're now Facebook friends, so I guess we can work together and oh, and, you know, oh, yeah. I mean that's that's like James, you know, it's like wait, who's this guy? Oh God, another Chewbacca collector. I mean, hey, how's it going? And, you know, we're friends now. And I, I text him and email him, but it's a weird thing. I, I don't. I always compare it like you know, I'm I was a drummer in high school and a really competitive guy, and like all the other drummers in the other bands, like we all hated each other, but we were all nice to each other at the same time. And it was just like this weird like competition. It wasn't really hate, but it was just kind of like jealousy and like trying to figure stuff out. But again, Steve doesn't have that problem. Hey, Steve. Not really. No. Can we get another <laughs> B-wing pilot collector out there? Can we? Can I make this there, a call? There are some. There are some. Believe it or not. Oh, <laughs> maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll talk Bjorn into it and say, "Oh, it's much better." <laughs> that, see that that would be a good move on your part, Grant. <laughs> divert. I, 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 divert. <laughs> I did. I did consider being jealous, and then I turned around and I was like, "Grant, you got you got like hundreds of Tie Fighter pilots there. Calm down. It's <laughs> yeah. fine." Yeah, that's true. That's a more magnanimous way of thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of Star Wars there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Now, do do you collect the ship as well, or just the pilot? No, I considered the ship, um, but I collect everything Star Wars uh, from the vintage line, and room is a problem, and yeah. the ships do take up a lot of room. Um, I'm struggling now with the ships, to be honest with you, because they just just to do a full run of ships is is tricky enough. And there are a lot of um, Tie Fighters out there, and some of them, like the uh, PBB one, it's going goes for crazy money. Mm. And I think it gets to the point. You know, personally, I found now uh, I've been quite put off with the massive, quite profound spike in uh, the market. Uh, to the point where if these box toys are going for the same value as cast and crew items, I, I've got to be honest, I would prefer to buy cast and crew items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I mean, that's. I guess that is a good question. Do you think, Grant, that it's more different now from 2005 than 2005 was in 2001? Uh, yeah, I should say 2005 is only I've only partially come back. 2009 right. was when I came back fully. Uh, massive. I've never seen anything like this. Even going through the '90s, it was really nice. Actually, I listened to your last podcast, and uh, similar story again. It was the Steve Sansweet uh, from concept to screen to collectible book that, because I had all the Star Wars toys when I was a kid, and then I picked up this book and flicked it open and saw those last seventeen. I thought, hang on a minute, that's why I had all of <laughs> all of the figures. What what what? And the Amana Man really stuck out because I was like, I had never even seen that in the film. And then flipped over the page, and you could see the sand crawler and the Imperial shuttle, and that was it. I was I was hooked from then on. But 
I've never seen it. Not even the run up to the Phantom Menace. I mean, I've you know figures literally two or three years ago, 2012, we were picking these figures up, buying these carded figures, Return of the Jedi ones, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Right. They're 120. I mean, how could it go from 1983 to 2012 from one, you know, from one pound or two pound to 30 pound, and then in four years jump from 30 pound to 120 pound? Yeah. It's just not logical <laughs> or rational for me to just <laughs> spend that money. So, I mean, at the moment, I'm just spending most of my money on putting together you know, display cabinets and lighting and stuff like that. So maybe the bubble will burst. But right. you know, some of the some of the rarer type pilot items now are well, just like everything else. I mean, it's just gone through the roof. Well, that's the nice thing about about doing podcasts. It's like, well, you know, I can always be involved in the hobby without having to spend money. <laughs> it's yeah, right. It's, it's such a nice thing. I have to say, I just um, so uh, as as you maybe heard on on the podcast, Grant, I've been trying to get into the whole Facebook thing a little bit. And at some point, I'm going to do some. We're going to do some big thing about the nature of Facebook collecting. Um, but I did participate in the big pick, and I just got in the mail my two pack of uh, of Chewbacca and Leia Bush. Wate wate nice. wato. Um, but I got to say, your two pack of the Tie Pilot and Akbar. There is yes. something really charming about that. I think that should be you – know, maybe just take that out and take a picture and put it on Facebook and everyone can say like and all that stuff because there's something about Akbar and the TIE pilot. I mean they're like natural enemies. I, I don't know. That, right. that's, that's a really a, – a surprisingly <laughs> charming piece. I guess you agree, Steve. I do. No, I, I, I had the same thought. I was looking at it just as you mentioned it. <laughs> like, oh, there's a – there is an there is an issue with that two pack though. It's uh, the bubble has come off and it's been stapled back on. Ah, so there's no ah. guarantees. It's uh, it's the only Thai pilot two pack I've come across so far. Hmm. Oh, no guarantees okay. that, that was legit. But you know it was there. Uh, it's the only example I could find, and I was like, well, why not? You know, it looks cool. I mean, if it was fat, then you could worry about it. But I think Thai Thai pilot <laughs> yeah. Akbar, that's not exactly you know an evil genius. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I just um, – so, Steve, this thing was bugging me about – because we didn't actually end up talking about the ship this episode. Maybe we'll do that some other episode. No, no, no. But something was bothering me where I remembered that there was a typo on a TIE fighter, but I couldn't find it. And so I just sent you guys the, te- the email to this – and uh, the, the thread. So this was a Rebel Scum thread from 2007 by Luis, I believe, via Gomez. And uh, it's a Darth – Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's Luis. Yep. So it's a Darth Vader collector series TIE fighter. Uh, GDE Canadian, and mm-hmm. it has a typo in French that says <laughs> La Quere des, Eta- des Etoiles as opposed to La Guerre des Etoiles. And it's just this really beautiful <laughs> thing. And I've never seen anyone else talk about it. I don't think it's on the archive. He says it's the only one he knows of. Um, so I just mm. thought that this would be a good time to talk about this really weird, rare, like typo misprint on a Darth Vader TIE fighter. But huh. there's nothing else really to say well, wonder, besides uh... that. but. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's true. I mean, I wonder if a similar typo might have happened elsewhere, and people just hadn't really noticed it with some some other Canadian item. But yeah, that's that's really funny. So what does that actually nothing <laughs> translate to? I mean, it, it's it, nothing. It would be like if it was Star Nars instead of Star Wars. Like it's just a, <laughs> okay. It's just a, like a simple misspelling. It doesn't. It's not like another word. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's okay. it's almost like <laughs> the beginning of quarrel. You know, which is sort of like the same uh, word in English as it is in French. Um, sure. But yeah. Anyway, that, that's that is literally neither here nor there. But uh, I, I was that was bugging me. I'm like, what was the piece? And we were going to have to ask Scott Bradley, and he was going to have to write a four page article about it, which he probably will anyway. 
Yes, I, I think I'm eagerly awaiting it. <laughs> yeah. So then the other idea we had, Grant, was we haven't actually done our usual features this month in terms of nuggets from the archive and Unlove stuff. And so I just sort of figured we would sort of have you on and so you could sort of like, you know, sort of, I don't know, like host and talk and sort of jump on. I don't know, Steve. Does this make sense as an idea? Yeah, I mean, we've done something similar before, but I, I thought since for this one, I've kind of thrown out a few options. I don't know, Grant, if, if, if any of the things that I'd sent you, is, is there any of the like the options that kind of speak to you as something that would be kind of neat to talk about, or you want to talk about all of it? Oh, I mean, yeah, let's talk about of, all of it. It's kind of free range. Let's talk about okay, all, right, all right, I'm going to put in the nugget drop okay. now. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. From the archive. Okay, all right, we're back, Steve. We're going to talk about every single one of these nuggets, starting off with the conceptualized, metalized TIE pilot. I've never, okay. I'm sure I've seen this. I've never thought about it. Grant, do you know anything about it? <laughs> I, I've never seen this before, um, but I would like one. <laughs> okay, good. Next one. <laughs> yeah, Steve, so why, why did you pick it? What's the deal with it? Okay, so. I mean, we've seen other kind of strange gimmicky concepts that, that Kenner was playing around with that never panned out. And this is just kind of another one of those. And um, there's there's another figure that's the uh, the Emperor's Royal Guard that's back-metalized, too. So it's got that kind of shiny, like, C-3PO-ish uh, sheen to it. But um, the, the TIE Pilot's strange because it's, it's not black. It's this bright gold color. <laughs> so it almost... You're not really sure. It, it's supposed to kind of just... It would have... And you know, try to you know get kids' eyes to so like, oh, that's that's a different, you know, tie pilot. Why don't we get this? But I guess it never panned out, and I guess that's kind of a result of of uh, Lucasfilm not really being fond of gimmicky stuff so much. Um, but I mean, there's no definitive answer on that. But that, that that's kind of what I think Ron surmised in uh, in one of the entries on this is that it's one of those things that just didn't really fly, uh, and it, it just never took off. But there's a couple of examples of of these and. I mean, it's it's just neat to see something that never panned out. So is that true? Does Kenner really not? I mean, does Lucasfilm not like gimmicks? Does that that, so, that does I mean, kind of hold true, doesn't it? Yeah, well, like Ron, uh, he references the um, the weird twelve inch uh, fashion outfits, kind of as another example of saying that, that that was a thing where they they definitely said, you know, please don't do this. Right. <laughs> um, Dear so God, I mean, stop. with this, please stop it. <laughs> So I mean, he kind of, he kind of puts these vac metalized figures in the same category as that. And it, to me, like, I don't know if, if this rings true for you guys, but I remember seeing a lot of vac metalized, shiny kind of robot toys. Like, I don't know if they're Transformers or what, but this kind of made me feel like it's like one of those kind of things. Whereas I, I wouldn't even thought Star Wars. I just thought you know some flashy, shiny robot <laughs> like sitting in the toy aisle and not really making the connection to. All right, well, so the tie pilot. Well, the, so much. This is my theory that this thing could be customized pretty easily. Someone could <laughs> learn how to vac. So this, this is my request. Okay, um, Star Wars collectible podcasters do not get paid anything, much less an anything, much less enough. The only thing that we get <laughs> is like satisfaction and nice little doodads from our listeners. So if you're a fan of the Vintage <laughs> Rebellion, you figure out a ma- way to make a custom vac metalized tie pilot and and give it to Grant, and that'll that'll be like payment for all of us. Right? Am I wrong, Grant? 
Uh, that would be front and center in my collection. I would love that. <laughs> yes. Now, unfortunately, the person who would probably be able to do that is a scammer who's allegedly dead uh, in England. Um, but if you are not <laughs> a allegedly dead scammer in England, I think you can listen back to maybe episode 20 where I, where I uh, had to apologize for somebody who wasn't dead. Um, and you think you could do that. I think this would be – this thing is really sweet because it looks – really boss like it's got the gold just on the torso is gold and then the rest is yeah, black and right. gray um it, it does look like something that you know it looks like it looks like something kenner would do with batman um yeah because you know how that's you could, exactly right <laughs> you could never get yeah. just a batman figure you had to get you know no. batman and scuba steve outfit or batman yes. and, <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> neon camouflage uh, awesome okay well then yeah. the, the next well, what's what's your next nugget uh steve Okay, so the next one we have, it's a TIE pilot, and it's called on the archive a, a painted sample. Um, and it's an interesting piece in that it's it's kind of constructed like a, a traditional hard copy in that it has uh, pins uh, that are holding it together with little drilled holes uh, in, the, in the limbs. But it's kind of hard to tell exactly what material it's made out of. Um, it looks like it could be kind of a combination of... Uh, proto-molded plastic, and then maybe some urethane parts, but it's not really, at least when this archive entry was written, it wasn't really determined, but it's still cool. It's in the sense it's like a, a paint master for the figure, so this this guy would have been in uh, photography or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, so it's, I think this was, I don't know if, if CJ still owns this. It was in his collection at the time, but um, that know. that's... Uh, wow. Now, Grant, have you looked into this thing? Um, I've just realized, I mean, I hope uh, Chris, from the collection of Chris Fawcett. Yes. Uh, Chris contacted <laughs> me back in January and he was after a piece of mine, a, a three-pack, an Empire Strikes Back three-pack. And I was like, no, I don't want to get rid of it. You know, I want to keep it. It's great. Uh, but now I see this, I think, mm, maybe you do have something to trade. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, th I mean, I would imagine he doesn't have it anymore. Um, oh, well. But he would, he would hopefully know where it went. Yeah, cause it was, so it's not yeah. really a hard copy? It's No, it, it's kind of a weird hybrid. And I've seen other pieces like this. Um, I think there might be, like, a I think there's an Akbar in the archive that has, um, it's a similar kind of thing where it's a hybrid construction, but it's constructed like a hard copy and painted like a hard copy. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, it doesn't serve the, the tooling function of a hard copy, but it serves the, the paint master function, if that makes okay, any sense. Okay, so, so that's why it's titled Painted Sample. Painted Sample, yeah. yeah. Well, I have to say, this is the most equivocal I've ever seen Ron in his archive writing. This is how he ends the entry. But whatever it is, this much is sure. It's a cool-looking prototype of a cool-looking figure. <laughs> I've never heard him that, that uncertain. I mean, I'm calling him out now. He's going to listen. He's going to be like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone talks like Chris Rogulius now. Um, but yes. Yeah, so that, that that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, now, yeah, I was kind of hoping that with it being kind of a, an older entry, maybe maybe there might be some more um, info on it now than, than there was back then. So, uh, so but maybe not. And, we'll see. And I was hoping that maybe it ended up in Grant's collection, but I guess it has not. <laughs> it's, um, there is a lot of, you know, for research in it, um, there are a lot of, TIE pilot prototype pieces out there of all different uh, types. So, you know, if you're if for someone who's interested in prototype collecting, the TIE fighter pilot's it's got quite a, a wide range there. Huh. So, like, like in terms of, like, hard copies and first shots and... Yeah, sample cards. Um, uh, you've got uh, mock-ups. You've got, uh, let me just think, um, 
you know, first shots, sign samples, paint masters, um, the, 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 the coins that they made, those big templates. Oh, right. Um, there's Cromlins. There's very few um, proof cards out there, but they do exist. Oh, yeah, because you know, it, it debuted on the 47, right? So it's really hard to get yeah. 47 back proofs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, 48s are one the, of a kind. Yeah. Yeah, the ones I've found so far is the, the 65 back. Uh, there's definitely one of those. Um, there's the Revenge one. And there's the Power of the Force one. Yeah. So those, those are all attainable, but like I said, we're, we're talking under under 10 easily, uh, probably under 5 in most cases. Right. Oh, you know what's one of my favorite pieces? It's it's when I when I visited Matthias in Sweden, he only had he only showed me one piece of his collection because he was moving, so I didn't see any of his Luke stuff. I didn't see any of his uh, Sherpa stuff, except for uh, it was like a, you know a test card of I think it was Sherpa. On a, mm-hmm. on a Thai pilot card. Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I've been stalking Matthias for quite some time because he's also got the <laughs> artwork for the Tri Logo Thai pilot. That's right. That's oh, right. Really? Well, pilot. Yeah, which is incredible. We had a few beers last summer at the uh, Dave Fee's Father's Farm event, and I told him that I had my little stalker folder and <laughs> two pieces of his collection were in my stalker folder. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that thing's just so cool because it just makes you imagine an Ewok flying a flying a Tie a Tie fighter. <laughs> I mean, we've all done that at home, you know, with our toys. <laughs> now, it's, uh, it's, yeah, sorry, Scott. Uh, there's a just to say, uh, there's a biker scout version of that as well. There's a biker scout on a Tie pilot card out there somewhere. Oh, that's Ooh. pretty cool. Yeah, that's maybe not as evocative, but maybe closer to, to real life. Now, now, do you yeah. do you have a vote, Grant? I forget what part of the show Steve and I talked about the card art, but do you prefer the tri logo or the regular art? That's a really good question. Um, wow, I've never even considered it. I think for nostalgia, <laughs> I'd have to go for the original. Um, but you know, the I really like the tri logo cards, I, so it's a difficult one. But I think for nostalgia, it'd have to be the original. Uh, artwork. Yeah, because we had a little bit of a tiff earlier, Grant, in the show because um, Steve, you know, <laughs> collects a pilot, so he thinks that Kenner's idea of putting boring space scenes for really awesome figures is neat, and I think that it's like, wow, the Tie Pilot is such a cool character, but the card back is so boring, and Steve was saying it's great, so it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting divergence of opinion. Um, but I was actually looking at your collection, and I realized that you have the. So the Palatoy debut was on a forty-five back. Um, the, or, I mean, yeah, or, or a thirty. When, when was the when was the because I see the Bounty Hunter offer the Palatoy Bounty Hunter offer. Now was forty-five, yeah. right? Well, what's really interesting with the Thai pilot in certain regards is it came right at the end, nineteen eighty-two, right before the return of the Jedi line. So it it for Palatoy came out on the forty-five A. Uh, which was the last time the Pally Toy logo was on, actually on the front of the card. Ah. 45B, they took the logo off the card. The issue we have with the 45B is that that was a major card used in the Toy Tony scandal. Of course. Mm. So what was thought to be a you know a, a easy to get card as soon as it the Toy Tony scandal opened up and we realised that you know the majority of these are actually from Toy Tony did. The 45B was actually really difficult to get. Uh, what is super interesting, though, is that the Tie Pilot never came out on a Pally Toy Return of a Jedi card. 
Mm. Oh, well, there's nothing has turned up yet. You know, as a focus collector, you just want to find that ripped up card back that proves. <laughs> sure. That, but but as, what, we, what we had instead was the, um, I think it's the, uh, the American Return of the Jedi 48 back, and you'd have a UK Pally toy uh, white sticker on the back of it. Wow. I'd never heard of huh. that before. Yeah, there's, there might be a black sticker version as well, which was for some of the earlier Pally Toy cards that came in from the States, but those are those are super rare to come across. But you can still find the 48 backs with the uh, white Pally Toy sticker on the back. There might be others, but that's the only one I've found so far. So I, I encourage everybody who has a Return of the Jedi uh, TIE Fighter pilot to look on the back and make sure there's not a Pally Toy <laughs> sticker back there because there's got to be at least 15 of them in people's collections who just have never even thought to look. Um, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't. I want, are there other figures like that where they just didn't import them into into England? I mean, they didn't make them in England; they just imported them. Um, not that, not that I know of. I only found this out from being a focus collector. What what I did find, which I found really interesting, uh, because it's right on that Empire Strikes Back: Return of the Jedi line, was the um, the Spanish uh, PBP figures. Now. It's it's available to get the TIE Fighter pilot on the Return of the Jedi uh, PBB-65 back. But I've actually found an Empire Strikes Back PBB-45 back. And to my knowledge, uh, I went on a Spanish forum and found this really pixelated, ripped-up card uh, from years ago, which said that it might exist. And I've actually found one, and it's the only one that I know that exists except for that really pixely picture, and it's not on the SWCA uh, archive either. Huh. So it's a it's an Empire? Empire uh, PBP. So this is just when Pocket transferred over to PBP. It's on the Empire card. It's a 45. Oh. Okay, I think uh, I see uh, it in your picture. It's in the, the upper left. Yeah, it's, but, okay. mean, it's probably the rarest piece I've got. And I, I, you know, it's rarer than the proof cards I've got for the, the pilot. <laughs> so to me, it's just like an amazing <laughs> find. And, Every opportunity I get to tell people about it, I try. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I love it, Grant, because that really is – like there's different ways of doing focus collecting. And I think too often people just sort of get like uh, like checkbox, you know, like, okay, I need a proof. Okay, I need a, a first shot. Okay, I need a this. But like it really is a way to understand collecting a lot better, understand the process and or process, I should say, speaking to someone from – from over there, the process um, of the way that toys were made and distributed, and and I, I love it because you can just learn so much if you just yeah. you know study one character really carefully. Um, so I I don't know, Steve, did you find that for yourself too, or you're just such a snob? You you only like pre-production <laughs> stuff, so you wouldn't even think about That's this. That's not true. That's not true. There there isn't as much to learn <laughs> for for that character, but no, no. I mean, um, it's it's I'd say it's true. I mean it. When I was going with the, the Kenobi stuff earlier, I'd say that's maybe more when I really learned um, in terms of card backs and things like that. But um, no, you're totally right. Um, taking one kind of cross section with a character, you can really you can really find out a lot that you probably wouldn't wouldn't have otherwise. Right. Uh, I just I was realizing like, boy, when our co- our, our podcasts combine. We better be careful. This interview will be seven and a half hours long. <laughs> uh, I was happy when you guys came along because people used to complain about our, our show being too long. I'm like, hey, our show is too long, but we're not the longest podcast out there. So, 
Yeah, we just <laughs> just recorded our longest for sure as well, so I don't know how that's going to go down. Well, you know, it's funny because I don't know if you have the experience, but people who don't who don't understand the hobby ask you like, "How can there be enough to talk about every month?" It's like every month I have to like cut stuff out. I have to, you know, like this yeah. month I'm not talking to Kevin Lentz, who I want to. Uh, I'm not talking to Joe yet because you know the Kickstarter's in between things. Uh, Joe Iglesias, it's like I could have made this an extra hour or two, you know, and and right, um, right. And there's at least two of us who are just doing this one area. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's at least a nice a nice justification. But that being said, sure. that was my way of trying to get us back on track, Steve. I don't know if it worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it were, it's working okay. Okay. Um, so um, so we got we got one more nugget. Okay, right? good. Yeah, see, I like this like okay. multiple multiple nuggets. Okay, uh, good because it. I, I like. It's hard for me to pick just one thing. So when I find more, I'll, I'll just keep doing this. Um, so, like you said, we haven't really talked about the the Tie Fighter itself so much in this episode. But so this is a chance to do that a little bit. But so what we have here is uh, an old photograph of uh, the diecast uh, Tie Fighter. It's like a mock-up in that it's not painted, so it's just. It, I don't know. It just looks really cool to me to see it in this kind of unfinished form and almost looks like seeing it not painted the way it would be later just that straight metal just makes it look way more like real to me i don't know if that that makes sense but are you guys looking at this yeah i I think it looks better i think it looks like straight out of the film yeah right right to me it looks more like a like a, a film prop than a a die-cast toy, which is just neat. <laughs> the same cannot be said of the X-Wing in this photo. No, which, no. <laughs> which, which looks like the weird, dinky Uzai uh, TIE pilot ship on, on oh, the you're Uzai right. card back. That might be the yeah. same. Boy, we might have to do a, a side-by-side comparison on those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I don't know if you've seen, there, there's some other pictures like this that uh, that Pete Vilmer had posted uh, pr- probably a long time ago, but I, I'd always kind of wanted the story behind this, because they all have the description. It's one of several uh, 8x10 photos recently surfing in Los- surfacing in Los Angeles. So I just picture like, yeah, I you know, saw like 20, too. 25 years ago, this, this weird find of, of uh, early Star Wars prototype photographs. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, so, yeah, I wish it were labeled. I don't know, Steve. Maybe we could like hack into the archive, uh, or I guess I can. I could like hark- <laughs> hack into the archive and find out when that was uploaded. But yeah, when was this eight by ten photos recently surfacing in Los Angeles? And yeah, yeah, I'd love to know. But I wonder where that would have been. Would that have been at the? You know what? That must have been at the licensing place. Because remember when we were talking to the guy from Tops, and he was talking about how he had to go out to L.A. and meet with the people right, from licensing. Right. It was probably yeah. before Lucasfilm moved to the Bay Area. Yeah, that that makes sense. All right, well, I, okay. I, I'm pretty sure Pete is, Pete Vilmer does not listen to our show, but if you do, get in contact <laughs> with us. And if you don't, someone remind me to ask him at some point. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's get to the unloved. You don't hate all right, Steve, well, we're, we're back here, and one thing I want to say about Unloved. Uh, Grant, I have to offer you an apology. Um, I, I released the biggest winners and losers of The Force Awakens, and I, <laughs> I did not mention the TIE pilot. 
um, who absolutely was one of the biggest winners of The Force Awakens. Because um, the, the X-Wing pilots weren't that cool, but the TIE pilots were awesome and they were new and the TIE fighters were, were really wicked. So I, I need to correct that. I'll make that the 11th winner. Um, so do, do you forgive me, Grant? I do, mate. They do look cool. I really like the neat. You must be so happy, though, with Chewbacca from The Force Awakens. He was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... I... I I mean, at that point where that, you know, with the doctor was healing him and everything, I was like, did Chewbacca might have actually gotten his best moment ever, <laughs> you know? And he's had a lot of great, I mean, okay, nothing's going to beat the, the howl and Empire or whatever, the, you know, uh, surfing on top of the ATSD. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really sweet. So what have you picked out for us for unloved items, Steve? Okay, so uh, up first, uh, we've got an unused fun meal tray. So these were from the, the Burger Chef promotion in the late 70s. Um, so I guess it looks like these were kind of fold up, kind of like a, not exactly like a Happy Meal box, but something similar. But but what this one has is a little, like, cutout TIE fighter that uh, the kids, kids could have. So it's kind of fun. Like, I was thinking about this, like, you know, if the toy hadn't been around yet, which it probably wasn't at this point, like, this was like your legit way to have a tie fighter yeah. <laughs> to play around with. Um, but I think it must've been way, way back when we first talked about uh, burger chef stuff. So I thought it'd be a good time to, to kind of bring it back a bit. Oh, oh yeah. But, well, you know, Steve, I was going to give away because I think you bought me the fun meal tray of Darth Vader slaughtering yes. everybody. Because, yes. Yes. Uh, that's right. I, I love the, the juxtaposition of fun meal with Darth Vader standing over the corpses of all these rebel soldiers. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, th this is this is really sweet. Um, it could be that the fun meal stuff is sneakily some of the coolest stuff in the early Star Wars era. Um, I yeah, I'd agree because this is just so nice and and I can imagine putting it together. And, like it's it's one of those things where you just want to just grab into your computer and put it together because it looks like that much fun. Yeah, and it sort of reminds you too just of the the genius of the design of these two ships. You know, because you can, right, you can right. always doodle an X fighting an H. Like, you can always... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not really have to do with the toys. But now, now do you... I, I know you're, you're uh, you know, you guys are big into the oddball stuff, uh, Grant. Do you have uh, the fun meal stuff? Yeah, I do. I, I have, I'm missing one from the set. I know I have the, the TIE Fighter, but um, uh, you guys, when it comes to sort of like uh, fast food stuff, did so well out of the the first three films i love it you know this is I, I what i like about you know the stuff like the fun meal stuff is this says it, it screams this is the beginning of star wars yeah you know it's like the start set and the jigsaws it's like this is the first stuff that come out and now that we've come so far it's stuff like this really gets my fire going you know this is i think this kind of stuff is fantastic and throughout the um fast food line in america to some of some of the best star wars stuff that come out especially the the displays and I think it was like the Burger King displays, absolutely phenomenal. Oh yeah, the the trans lights and all, all, yeah. all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, there's so much stuff. I guess, I guess Steve, it is maybe, you know, sometimes stereotypes are accurate, <laughs> and the sheer number of fast food related Star Wars things out of America. Well, you know, <laughs> you might have that. What's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, uh, British. Uh, fast food like uh Wembley's or something isn't there like a Walters isn't there some kind of oh it's a wimpy is that is that right is there something like that out there I don't know but there's no English or European fast food Star Wars stuff 
Yeah. I guess because we hadn't we hadn't poisoned you with the idea that fast food was a great idea successfully yet. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's so many so many amazing collectibles. Oh yeah, and then and then I think Steve, I don't know if you intentionally picked the next unloved item as being. I associate this as being a very Grantish item. Um, the, the the rubber stamp, right? Yes. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, so this is the the Tie Fighter rubber stamp from uh, Adam Joseph from 1983. And is there anything to say about this, or do we just do we just acknowledge that this rubber stamp exists and it is good? <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of where I was coming from, but. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's a, it's a really good thing for you know when you throw your archive parties and you got you know it could be used as a stamp, like you know when you go into a nightclub. Ah, that's a that's good idea. Great idea. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's, that's that's not my idea. I've copied that from <laughs> Dave Tree and Fathers from, but it is okay. a good idea. <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. I mean, I think uh, I think we'll do that. I think this is the one to do it too. If you look at it, I mean, it's really well designed. You've got it's the the shadow work is pretty good on the Tie Fighter. Um, now, yeah. I, I haven't really priced these out. What do you think these go for? Like hmm. ten bucks? You want? No, you can pick up. There's a display at the moment. Uh, quite a lot of the Adam Joseph stuff seems to, you know, come. You know, they still have the the countertop displays with them. There's one online at the moment. Actually, I think Todd Chamberlain is selling it, and it's about thirty thirty British pounds, and that comes with, I think, the full set. They're not on their card because you know you could get them carded and you could get them loose, but I think it's about thirty pounds. And I, you know, with the with the counter display, I think that's a bargain. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I feel like uh, I have an Akbar one of these, and I sure enough I got it from from Todd Chamberlain. Yes. <laughs> it just makes sense. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's actually reaching the point where I'm starting to think that maybe Todd Chamberlain just was the person who actually made all these in the first place. Like he might have been behind <laughs> Adam Joseph, and he might have been behind Helix, he might have been behind Clark's shoes, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now, is there is there any kind of uh, what do you guys call them? Uh, oddball tie fighter tie fight tie? Why do I keep doing that, Steve? Tie fighter filets, <laughs> uh, stuff that, uh, that that we haven't thought of. Uh, do you know what, Sky? I've never really considered looking into the focus outside of the outside of the figure range. Um, there's, I, I sort of collect a lot of the modern prototypes because then that way I can enjoy what you know you guys enjoy with the prototype stuff without. You know, being excessive with the amount of money invested into it. So, but I've never considered going to type pilot uh, oddball stuff. I don't think there's actually that many things out there for him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, not that I could think of. Besides, unless you go with the ship, and then right, yeah, right. But I could see there's, you. I could see you doing something nice with your display of maybe just having a row of you know like the fun meal and the stamp and a couple other weird sort of tie like the the actual ship related things that aren't the giant kenner ship but just things that are sort of associated i bet that i bet that could be like uh I'm, I'm just trying to think of like how can we encourage people who are starting to collect now if you want to get awesome stuff but you just don't feel like competing with all these folks who are just spending so much money on carded figures and everything I mean, should we start thinking about uh, unloved and oddball focuses? You know, just like, you know, could you do a focus of all of the weird stuff related to Yoda? Like, not nothing Kenner, nothing Palatoy, whatever. Right, right. But just, you know, just the posters and the and the weird, uh, you know, cups and 
I, I bet you could. I bet that, that could be a good way to do something fun, inexpensive, that is still impressive and and, and like rewarding. Well, Sky, I think that's I think that's one thing I think changed when I came back from sort of like 2002 to 2009 is that everyone in 2009 was loose figures, carded figures, all action figure orientated. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I remember before was people were just Star Wars. You know, it didn't matter whether it was the books or the oddball items or you know the various ways you could buy it on film and video. The vehicles were big, the 12-inch dolls were big, and that I think was a the biggest surprise was everyone was action figure loose, action figure carded, rare action figures, rare foreign carded figures, and very much more of a mono idea of what collecting could be. And I, I think mm-hmm. that was quite quite a surprise. Yeah, it's funny, Steve. You kind of took a break and came back too, didn't you? Um. Yeah. I mean, I I guess technically I did. I mean, I, I haven't. I've been actually collecting more things like this. I'd say. For the last, I think three years at least. Am I? I mean, it's it's kind of shifted to like away from the action figure stuff. Um, but no, I, I, when I took a break, I think it must have been the early two thousands or the yeah. I came back in the early two thousands and then took a break and came back in like two thousand eight. Um, and that yeah, I kind of noticed the whole the same thing that Grant was just talking about with the the figure pushing the figure as as the thing to go for and. Um, it was actually going to like celebrations and, and seeing like Todd's booth that kind of opened my eyes and it kind of re- reminded me of actually the the old uh, Tomart uh, guide that Sansweet did. Yeah. I, I remember seeing a bunch of weird stuff in that and I hadn't looked in that at that for like literally probably just under 20 years and I recently picked up another copy and uh, flipped through it and like oh my god I remember looking at all this stuff as a kid and just just the fact that that, that it existed was such a you know eye opening thing for me, but yeah, it's it's just it's a different landscape now. So I, yeah, I'm totally into this kind of stuff. Um, well, 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 that, whether well, that's it, it for... Steve. I think I'm gonna. I think we should all start an oddball focus and see where we are in three years. <laughs> you know, like we'll, yeah, like we'll pick different characters. You know, and just like kind of see what it's like. Like how much did you actually have to spend to be? Uh, mm-hmm. I hope you don't mind me stealing your term, but it's also an homage to your term. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. I don't know. That could that could be fun just to see. See what we could do. I don't know. I don't need to find new ways to spending money. Can I choose? Um, can I choose Grand Moff Tarkin? Yes. <laughs> I think I've counted so far. I think there's like ten pieces that I know of, so it shouldn't be too bad. Really? That's weird. yeah. I wouldn't even think there were that many. Wow. No, no, neither would I. Yeah, I just picked one up the other day. You guys had like um, a fan club badge from uh, 1978. Uh-huh. Which is one of the pieces, and your fast food restaurant did a poster with him on as well. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. The actually, um, my son has and that poster up 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 on his uh, up on his wall because um, when uh, Isaac and Will made their find, they had all these water damaged posters. He's like, "You want one?" I'm like, "Absolutely." So now I look <laughs> up and I, and I I look at it and I always think, "Hey, that's one of the rare vintage items that features Tarkin." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I think that we can actually keep this interview to under an hour, but we have to do our lightning round. What do you think, Steve? So be it. I think it's time, so right? Are you, are you ready, Granted, This is going to be where the streams are crossing. This is the, 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 oh, good. Okay. <laughs> the most Kivecast thing you can do is the lightning round. Oh. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Okay. So this is the question that never works out, but I'm, I always ask it anyways. <laughs> what is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars film? 
Oh, I ran the survivors a perimeter create. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is Awful. very close to mine, Grant. I've always thought it's that, very close. That we're, that we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways, mainly in the way that we aggravate people and we seem overly defensive. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, because, you know, mine is pilot land over there by that assembly area. And mm. yeah, <laughs> very, very kindred. Yeah. Steve, can I can I just ask you? Did you leave collecting for a few years because of Attack of the Clones as well? <laughs> uh, I, maybe that was actually the underlying reason. Maybe that's really it. Because I, I remember specifically uh, when that line was uttered, my my good friend kind of just looked over at me in the theater and just like started shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, you're a that's famous head shaker. That's your that's your big move is the head shake. So yeah, that means a lot. Is that is that really why you quit, Grant? Yeah, because I paid for Attack of the Clones. I was in Toys R Us like daily buying. Oh, hey, I I was there too. It's 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 a dark uh, period of my collecting life. (laughs) Yeah, don't mind the. I I you know I've got a lot of nostalgia for the Phantom Menace, and I but Attack of the Clones, I just it's not a Star Wars film. It's awful. (laughs) Well, I stand by it. I love Dexter Jester. Okay, so um, do you have? And it doesn't have to be a Tie Fighter item i guess but maybe if it's not tie fighter then we'll get that one too do you have a holy grail item that you're looking for and i don't mean holy grail in the current facebook meaning of something cool that you just bought uh, i mean something that like you are really looking for really hard uh, uh it's really hard to find one i've had a few discussions about it it's going to be outside my price range now but i really like those snow jackets used by the cast and crew on when they're up in vince in norway for oh yeah empire's uh, blue jackets and mm-hmm. You know they do come up for sale. That's the thing, but yeah, that that would be something maybe down the line I'd I'd be interested in getting. But that, that would be definitely a holy grail for me. A sixty-five back proof of the Tie Pilot would be good. Mm. Um, a really good new trilogy would be good as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how how much do those uh, do those suits go for? Do you know what the the last time I looked at one was about three and a half grand, but that was several several years ago, and I believe it seems that everything else has gone completely mental. I I no doubt that these have gone completely mental yeah, as well. Yeah, I'd add a zero on that probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, it's gone a lot higher. Yeah, and then and then what a sixty-five back proof would go for is an, is another question. It's weird. I mean, it seems like you could maybe get it for a grand, but not anymore, right? I don't know. I almost got one in Anaheim um, from a fellow collector, but the problem with proof collecting is, or prototype collecting, is people are more likely to trade than to actually take money for it. Mm-hmm. So um, he had a list of items he wanted to trade it for, and I just couldn't find those items, and uh, that 65 back is gone now. But it was pretty close. Oh, hey, speaking of of, uh, of room sales and all that stuff, have you still not seen the video? Of, uh, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, because you're because you can't you can't because it's only available on certain telephones in America. I may have to put it up on YouTube sometime and just uh, I, just yeah. on, on the download because usually because I mean, you you Steve does not have a speaking role. You do, and <laughs> and it's just you going, oh man, Sky. And I think you maybe had a had a had a few drinks, um, but of course, <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was completely smashed. I was really drunk, and then there was a camera in my face. <laughs> That's pretty much the entire celebration experience for me. Uh, 
<laughs> um, yeah, so all right, we'll have to find some way for you to get that because that that was I mean it was definitely that was an awesome point because your reaction is exactly what they were looking for. Ah, great! Yeah, great. And, I I can barely remember it to be honest, guys. Yeah. Like, uh, all good stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah, good. Um, and then in the event that your small, uh, uh, I I don't know if it's a small house. If your house outside of Cardiff. 30 miles outside of Cardiff. What's the name of the town again? Wim Willie? Uh, I live in a small village called Criddick, which is Kriddick. just outside of Gavani. That's right, because yeah. in Welsh, they don't have vowels, right? Yeah, it's very sort of uh, guttural from the throat. Right. It's, um, if you, if, uh, a lot of it is, if you look at Lord of the Rings, uh, a lot of the stuff that Tolkien came up with was from uh, co- uh, coal that had been dug in the area I live in. And then up to Manchester and Birmingham, where he lived, and he would look at the crazy Welsh names, such as Merthyr Tydfil is just up the road, which sounds an awful lot like Minas Tirith. Right. Hmm. So, if you look at Lord of the Rings, a lot of the language used in Lord of the Rings, very, a lot of it's very similar to Welsh. Well, uh, uh, one of my, my best friend growing up, his ancestry is Welsh, so he would always get super into like, whenever the Rugby World Cup would come on, he'd get really into. Wales, and he like had the Welsh flag up, and he was sort of like it's a typical thing of Americans to get really into their like recent heritage because we don't have any sense of history. Um, like I'm really super into my Scottish heritage, and Steve's into his Iceland. Um, mm. right. So you, <laughs> we have we have we have the best flag. Everyone else has got like stripes and, <laughs> yeah. and lines and stuff. We got a we got a freaking dragon. I know it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I don't know if we ever talked about this before, but his favorite band is half Welsh. Uh, they're called the Mekons. Are you familiar with the Mekons? No, only the river. Okay, so, so that's the, you just got to get into them, okay? Because I know like you're you're into you're into cool music and stuff. They've been around for like maybe forty years, and they've been an underground working rock band for like forty years. They're half Welsh and half Leedsian. I don't know how you say if you're from Leeds. Um, but, uh, like, they've, like, they kind of had a punk phase and sort of like a roots phase and like, anyways, and, and the, the guys signed my, uh, my friend's, you know, album and he drew the Welsh flag on it. I'm like, why is there a dragon on this? He's like, that's the flag. So (laughs) amazing. As far as your, as far as your Welsh pride goes, you should check out the Mekons and it's a Welshman, isn't it? Is that what you call yourself? Yeah, I get, well, in the language, it's like Cymru and the Cymru. Right. Uh, I think Cameroon is like the land, and Cameroon is the people. So we have our own language. If you, as soon as you cross the border, all of the the uh, road signs will be different. There's a there's a totally different language going on here. And do do you speak it? I don't know. Um, unfortunately, I know Araf, which means slow. That's good for the road. <laughs> and uh, Dimismuggy, which is no smoking, which is also good and healthy. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking, if you called yourself Welshman, then you should really be a walrus man collector. Because it's really not that ah. far from walrus man to Welsh man. <laughs> uh. Yeah, many of many of us have bums on our faces as well. <laughs> yeah. so. I I can just see that you know like a hard drinking you know walrus man Welsh man collector. Okay, so in the event <laughs> that your place in Minas Tirith uh, were burning down and you could only grab one item, what would it be? It would be a beta hoff wampa figure that was given to me by my father when i was very young it's one of the first star wars things i ever had it's yellow it is probably worth about 50 pence and uh it was worth more to me than all the rest of the collection put together 
Wow, awesome! And, and do you have awesome. that sort of on on display by itself or in a in a setup? Or? Yeah, that, that that takes pride in place with all my you know my, all my best stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it sticks out because it's you know it's a real beater, but it means means the world to me. Yeah, that's that's nice. You know, we love wampas on this show. We uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> which is another thing I I've, I've always meant to start a wampa focus, but then I never have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am the king of 48 bees with my three examples. Um, I think I like well, to three. I'm, we were thinking about doing, because um, we were thinking about doing an art installation using tauntauns, and it was going to be a white room with like 499 tauntauns facing one way and one facing the other way, and then just see if it makes money. I'm sure it'll blow people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go for it. All right, then. Of course, the most famous Kivecast question, if you were a vintage item, not what would you like to be, but which one do you think you would actually be if you were a vintage Star Wars item? Oh, that's a good question. I would like to be... No, no, not, a... not, not would you like to be. It's what oh. if you actually were a vintage Star Wars... And, and I can edit out silence, because this takes people a long time to answer, usually. So if you actually were... A vintage Star Wars item. Which one do you think you would be? Hmm. Well, growing up on a farm, I'd say Luke Farmboy, but more likely Tauntaun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why? Why a Tauntaun? Uh, it's the way I run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. Awesome. Well, I I actually have to get ready for a date, so that's very exciting. Good for um, you. Well, you know, it's my, it's, it's my long-term girlfriend, but, you know, we're going out. Yeah, I'm going to eat yeah. beef cheek tonight. You ever eat beef cheek? Um, I don't know what that is. Sorry, Sky. <laughs> it's like the cheek of, a, of like, a cow. It's like the cheek. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyways, it's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, <laughs> this is why people tune into our show, Grant, to, to hear me talk about beef cheek. <laughs> yeah, take care, guys. Thank you very much. Bye, Grant. See you, Grant. Can you fly? Good talking to talking to Grant. Um, yeah. I wonder what kind of tangents we went on. <laughs> um, I, it's yeah. a good thing that I'm not recording this after talking to him because I might have tried to affect some kind of Welsh accent. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I went on some kind of tangent with him about um, Welsh culture um, and their love of the letter <laughs> Y, which is cool. Y is a good letter, Steve. <laughs> it is. Um, Steve. So uh, let's get into the market watch, Steve. Okay. Um, so, so do you want to lead off with, with our figure of the month, or do you want to no, go to the more general I think we've just talked a lot about the TIE Pilots. A lot of TIE Pilots. Yeah. We'll, we'll switch Again, it I'm thinking in the future here. Yes, um, yes. So let's talk about just the ever-blossom. Almost every month, Steve, we get emails from people saying that they listen to old shows and they just can't believe the prices. Yeah. I, I'm just really glad that, that was something you had kind of thought of doing from the beginning because, and then these guys, you know, documenting it on the website because it's just, 
it's it's a record of how nuts things have come you know become so yeah it's it just keeps going yeah it does so one thing i particularly find interesting is the a walrus man revenge of the jedi proof yes going for 731 dollars right uh, i've noticed a lot on facebook because to be honest i think we just have to start doing a facebook market watch yeah, it's something that uh, that Mike and, and Pete have started to kind of integrate into their blog posts too. Oh, was that actually from Facebook or was that from? No, no, no. Yeah. This is this is eBay. Yeah, all, all the I think all these here are eBay just because I had something to link to easy. But yeah, no, they're yeah. in their posts. They're starting to to put in Facebook sales too, which I think is it's a smart move because it's really it's where things are happening. So yeah, yeah. and um, boy, do I feel like an idiot for selling that Leia twenty one back. Empire Strikes oh, Back no. proof for eight hundred bucks at celebration. <laughs> I offered it to a thousand for like a for twelve hundred to yeah. like a bunch of people and no one would buy it. No one? Man. You wanna know about room sales? I only <laughs> sold a stupid thing so I could make that stupid video that was seen by five people on Verizon.net. <laughs> Pets.com. Oh. The Pets.com video. Oh, I sold two awesome proofs just to make their story interesting. It's alright, I'm not that bitter. It was good. It was a good experience. Yeah, but, but I, no, I mean this. I this revenge. I, mean, I no, you know what? It was the power droid that sold for eight hundred. Um, okay, but no, it was a snaggletooth. It was a snaggletooth that sold for eight hundred. But still, an Empire Strikes still. Back proof sells for eight hundred, and right. a revenge proof sells for seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I, I remember. I think I. I must have had. Might have been. It wasn't a, a Star Wars character. I think it might have been Lobot that I had on revenge card, and I like. I could barely give that thing away back when I was first trying to to get rid of it, but it, it, yeah, I don't know. So this one, it was AFA eighty five, Revenge Walrus Man seven hundred and thirty one bucks. Yeah, that's that's pretty high, but it's Revenge Proofs are those items that are common enough that people can buy them, right? But rare enough that they're valuable. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's kind yeah. of it's, it's kind of like. Um, I don't know. It's like there's a certain thing with collecting where if something is too rare, it's not valuable because people can't care about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think revenge proofs could continue to go this way because what there's fifty of each, right? Uh, roughly, something like that. Yeah, right. So that's a lot for a proof card. Well, I, yeah, I always kind of thought of them as like like a gateway proof, you know, like for for people just getting into proof cards because they they happen to be or they seem to be pretty readily available but still you know rare enough just like you were saying but but uh, yeah but steve if i told you there's only 50 uh steve garvey rookie cards <laughs> and you started collecting baseball cards yeah and someone said there's yeah. only 50 steve garvey rookie yeah. cards and someone tried right. to explain to you that that's a lot you'd be like mm-hmm. wait what no if there's only 50 of this and i love steve garvey i'm gonna get it right right steve garvey's a yeah. baseball player not for you for <laughs> other people um, <laughs> who is also um, Steve and uh, Tommy Garvey had a baby together um, and it was this weird thing like this time travel thing um, so like they oh, had no. it in the future uh, they <laughs> both saved their sperm and is it hundreds is of it years a clone or a combo well, hundreds clone of years or? in the future they mixed the sperms together um, and then that made a time traveling uh <laughs> Anyways, like talented was, baseball player. A talented, a talented uh, first baseman or third baseman? 
first baseman. Yeah, right? first baseman for the Los Angeles yeah. Dodgers. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see, Steve, why you asked oh, me if I'm doing okay. <laughs> Once again, I am talking about sperm on the Kifecast. <laughs> It's all right. It's okay. okay. We're, we're still we're still with it. All right. All right. So yeah, we have our, our revenge walrus man seven hundred and thirty one. Um, what do you want to hit next? You, you uh, ladies' choice. <laughs> okay. Oh well, so this is something I never really seen uh, for sale before. Uh, it's there was a couple of these, you know, the Kenner Care uh, like packages of parts and stuff that that you know Kenner would send back for people or for kids. For requesting replacement parts. Um, the first one we have up here is all uh, Millennium Falcon parts. So it's in like this really neat box. It's got the little list of what's included. Um, and that one sold for $691 with 24 bids. Um, have you ever seen anything like anything like this like publicly for sale? Not really for sale. Um, I can't for yeah. some reason I can't I can't draw it up on uh, on the um, on my it's, it's just not showing up. I, I can't oh, see the picture okay. of it. Um, okay. But no, I mean I've seen Kenner Care packages, uh, yeah, you know here and there, but I haven't really seen sure. them for sale. And they are really yeah. neat, um, right? So it makes sense that the people would like them. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a lot of money, but I could see people getting really into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, so that that's the first one. So that was a, the Falcon parts for uh, six ninety one. The second one. Is uh, a package of replacement lightsabers and went for nine hundred and three, um, which man, it, it's just it's neat, uh, but man, that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So so what? So people would just write letters to Kenner saying, "Hey, I need more lightsabers." I wish yeah. my parents did that. that would have been great. <laughs> I would have loved to have yeah, well, a lightsaber I mean... when I was a kid. <laughs> You got you could have been a good uh, customer for for these guys. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like, how about like half of every single one of those stupid playsets that has the cardboard and the plastic on it? Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Steve, I meant to bring that up. Someone uh, on Facebook somewhere they created a uh, a, a vintage Ray playset. Did you see that? I don't think I saw that. So. They they took the the base of the Land of the Jawas right. playset, yeah, and then the cardboard cutout of the ATAT, and put really? them together. Huh. And because you know that that's, it was just mixing up the two pieces, but it was really clever. Uh, huh. I forget who did it. So oh, that's cool. Sorry, but yeah, it was it was a really funny usage of. Uh, it would have done a really good job in my whole. Uh, vintage figures re, re, uh, reproducing Force Awakens stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to look that up. But yeah, that yeah that was pretty funny. Another funny thing in terms of <laughs> auctions. Um, <laughs> you know what I want to talk about, Steve? I, I have a guess of what you're going to talk about. Is, is uh, Ross Cuddy's uh, blueprint paper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or was it like a... a... <laughs> A starting bid of like $37,000 or something like that. Yeah, so I, I have the picture <laughs> saved here somewhere. Um, okay. But basically, I think Ross is a, whoa, Ross Cuddy, bam, shabam. Um, in addition <laughs> to being somebody who is not at all charmed by my sense of humor or singing voice, um, <laughs> has somewhat of a, a salty, a salty yet dryly Canadian wit about him. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that as someone who, of course, knows that all the funniest people in the world come from Canada. Hey, that's that's a valid point. Um, 
And uh, so he just... I guess he was just sort of angry at the Klemco sales and, and the way that people are paying a lot for things that he doesn't think are worth a lot. Right. Um, um, so it's interesting because he's, he's sort of – the thing is, Steve, I was going to start off this whole podcast <laughs> with what I was going to call an open letter to the Facebook vintage collector. Yeah. And yeah. the idea was not to be combative. The idea was you know, when I started collecting in 2004 – and going on Rebel Scum, I didn't really understand how things worked. I didn't really understand what came before me. And I didn't really understand the ways that I was collecting that was radically different than from what other people were used to. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, the fact that there were dealers on the internet, the fact that there was eBay, all these sure. things. So right. I would have actually really liked it to have somebody sort of say, hey, listen, youngin, this is why we think we don't understand what you're doing. You know, mm -hmm. so my idea was just to kind of do that to be like, have a list of things to explain to Facebook collectors. And when I say that, I mean people who started collecting since Facebook became the primary mode of communication in our hobby, right? Yeah, right. So everyone comes in at a different point. So some people came in when the figures were on the pegs, and that's Sansweet and uh, um, Walter Steuben. You know, some people mm -hmm. came in. When uh, late, you know, a little bit later, but still before the internet, like you know, Phidias. Uh, some people came in at the beginning of the internet, like Ron and Chris, mm -hmm. and then some people came in with the 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 groups, the Rask Scav groups, you know, yep. like Tommy and I guess yourself. Some people came in Rebel Scum. So, anyways, trying to figure out how to how to differentiate between those generations, the generation, yeah. and yeah, and just to sort of say, hey, these are the things that are different. And I mean, for me, I'm going to bury this in the middle of this episode, Steve. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, as opposed it's, to starting it off. But that's um, yeah, it's up to you. Well, just the whole thing was the main thing is honestly, it's just pictures. That's the main issue. It's a technology yeah. thing. It's just sure. if I was able to show a picture of every Chewbacca that I got for the first five years of collecting, I mm -hmm. would have posted hundreds of pictures of every Chewbacca I got. <laughs> because that's well, just, you, had to, you had to build a, a website to do that. Exactly, I had to build a web, and huh. I was still made fun of. You know, I was still made fun of by people saying, you know, people don't build websites for their collections. You know, yeah, like unless right. you're Bill McBride, and, and you're not Bill McBride, people don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that would have been the kind of thing I was talking about. But then right. the other thing is uh, a tendency to say "bro" a lot. And then a tendency to value what are considered lesser prototypes as being much better prototypes. Right. Um, right. So the best example is all the Klimko stuff that sold for a thousand pieces. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this yeah. this is Ross's th uh, Ross's uh, 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 listing. Star Wars Vintage Kenner unused blueprint paper, rare Holy Grail AFA prototype pre-production. You need, bro. <laughs> Nearly a decade ago, I acquired some rare vintage Star Wars Kenner Holy Grail blueprints for Star Wars items. Yes, I was very stoked. To my surprise, also included in the lot was a special folder with a very rare, unused, blank, huge 17 by 22 sheet of blueprint paper. To my knowledge, nothing like this rare and unused has ever surfaced before, even by the so-called elitist experts. It's a vintage, rare Star Wars Kenner Holy Grail blueprint paper circa 1976-1978, as the other Holy Grail items found with it are the same time frame, but this was unused. Um, so it's an interesting... 
thing and there was lots of funny questions that were yeah. um, posted and mostly just saying bro and I asked shouldn't blueprint paper be blue and he, you know he said no <laughs> so I don't know that that's another tangent Steve yeah hey well no it fits in I mean <laughs> it fits in I, I, I missed I missed a lot of that initially I, I kind of caught that after the fact but um, yeah it, it was definitely uh, <laughs> entertaining um, but I mean at the same time there was a unused mailer for the 62 coin set from the Lucasfilm archive that is being sold by Tom Derby at Collectible Investment uh, Brokerage for $750. Mm. And I don't think it's sold, but that's Mm -hmm. apparently not a crazy price. And Mm. it is, without without exaggerating, a blank envelope, a shipping (laughs) envelope. A shipping envelope with no Kenner, nothing, nothing written on it. It is just a blank envelope. Mm. And you know, I, I I pointed that out, and it was like, yeah, that's not that. That's actually not crazy. Of, uh, it's actually not that crazy of a price. Huh. So, yeah. So talk that's... about talk about market watch. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would, it would honestly be like taking just a blank. There's no way to actually explain it. You can't make it crazier than it is. Okay, no, Steve. No, that's true. Um, let's not talk about the. 15-pack Empire Strikes Back that sold for $3,400. Let's just not talk about that. But I do want to talk about the Lily Lady Tuscan Raider. Yeah, yeah. I was glad you said that because this is probably one of my favorite things of this this group. So Um, for those of you that don't know, although we talk about it a fair amount, Lily Lady. uh, Let me see if you speak Spanish. Is it Lily Lady or Lily Lady? (laughs) I think Isaac... uh, I might have corrected this on this. He did, but what did he say? It, Letty. Letty. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. Lily Letty. Yes. <laughs> Lily Lady. Okay. Um, <laughs> they made 12-inch figures. Basically, they just screwed around. They were just like, yeah. hey, yeah. listen, you do your figures, we do ours. And they, they just they just like made these other 12-inch figures. I mean, they could have right. taken Kenner's, but they were like, they didn't. And that's a really weird question. I'd like to talk to someone from the Lady. Sure. Um, I was yeah. trying to do a good Mexican accent without it being an insulting Mexican accent. How did I do, Steve? Um, <laughs> first listen, I, I don't know. You're gonna. That's gonna be an editorial decision. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's staying in. Because um, I only work on the inflection. Okay. And right. so unlike Kenner, they decided to make a 12-inch Lily Letty figure, which I've, of course, posited previously they did that because there's more desert in Mexico. Mm. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so I remember that. So they need yeah. more Mexican – they need more Mexican – they need more desert characters because what mm-hmm. was another one of the ones that they included, Steve? Uh, aside from the, the Tuscan? Yeah. Uh, they did a, a job. Oh, oh yes, they did. <laughs> oh, si, senor. Claro que si. But, but – the the Tuscan is the one that's that's unique to them. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I mean this this thing is it's pretty freaky looking. I have to say, it kind of looks like in one of these pictures it looks like a, a weird mummy almost. Do you get that vibe? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's it's an extremely you know pretty rare piece, and this one sold for thirty seven hundred. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. What, I don't what, know. What condition just, was it in, Steve? Because I can't see it. Uh. It looks pretty good. I mean, I, I know just, you know, generally uh, Letty's stuff doesn't usually survive in, in great shape, but 
Um, looks, looks pretty good to me. Um, I mean, it's, I, I guess usually most of these I see are kind of in really, really beat up boxes. I don't, I haven't really looked at one kind of just loose as, as this one is, but, uh, it, it looks pretty good. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great figure. It's got unique box art, La, La Guerra de las Galaxias. Yes. Um, with a pretty funny TIE fighter chasing an X-wing. And then there's <laughs> yeah. just this upside down X-wing over it. Um, yes. This is kind of like a DUI X-wing. <laughs> <laughs> he's just yeah. like, hey man, he's flying over here. And then it's got the Star Wars logo with the original W that was right, um, right. The the more Pointy fascist w. Uh, w that yes. Lucas, or the not fascist enough W that uh, <laughs> that he was going for. Right. And if I remember yeah. correctly, I, I spent a long time looking at the way the Spanish was written on here. Um, but I am. Um... Oh, that's funny. Is it already on the market watch? The uh, maybe. Oh no! Uh, this, this is two thousand fourteen. Hey, so so different, different auction. Yeah, so let's see what it sold for in two thousand and fourteen. Tuscan Raider. Two thousand fourteen, sold for two thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, so in two years, and this is a, a loose example or a boxed one? Boxed. Oh, okay. So this is just a, a loose one that sold for for thirty seven hundred. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't mention that. <laughs> I thought I did. Sorry, that, that may should clarify. This is a loose a loose figure that's that's in nice shape. So sorry about that. Let's give a round of applause for Brisbane Brisbane Mike and Fantastic Pete because look at that. Yeah. Look there, at what we were go. able to do. So this is going to be on here. These two, this amazing piece, and you're going to be able to see. How one year you could buy the boxed version for two thousand six hundred dollars, and two yep. years later you couldn't buy a loose one without mm. shelling out four grand. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's why that's why this is so important. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. We have a good show, um, Steve. I, I, I want to be like <laughs> I want to be like Ray and Finn. Did you see that? I did oh, a good man. job. You did a good oh, job. Man. That's right. I get to be Ray in this little equation. <laughs> I get to be the cool, quirky, you know, scavenger, and you get to be the gay stormtrooper. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, the one that's always panicking. Yes, that's true. Yeah, he is pretty. Cool. Um. <laughs> All right. So, do, do you want to get hit the tie pilot? I, I picked five examples. Oh, good. Uh, yes. Okay. okay. And the so, goal is for me to get within a hundred dollars. All right. Okay. So let me get these loaded uh, but up first, here. I want to read the uh -oh. the thing on the Guerra de las Galaxias on the Lily ah, Lady box. Okay. Exactly what it tells you, and then I will translate it for you. Sure. Coleccion todos los auténticos personajes de las más espectacular película del siglo. Del siglo. Del siglo. That that got Digby to turn his head through the, through the headphones. <laughs> Collect all of the authentic characters from the most spectacular film of the century. I I feel like that something along those lines would have probably been used in other markets. So there you go. Good. Sigla. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's what I was wondering. Nice I don't know if uh, upon editing I'm going to keep that in, but. 
Well, uh, I'm just glad I got to hear it. <laughs> I always, I always have to go for it, much like my uh, Thai pilot song. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, are you ready to, to guess on some Thai pilots? Yes. All right. So we'll start off with a uh, a debut 47 back. So that's the the free four lom offer. That was the debut it's... of the Thai pilot. Okay. I, right. I you know I did know that. I just never thought about it. Yeah. Wait, is okay, this our so... first 47 back? Uh, yes, wait. it is. Because Bestman Security Guard was the last figure we did. Steve, you got so excited about this being our first forty-seven back figure that your phone broke, <laughs> and I don't think it was because I said Siglo too many times. Uh, Steve, we know. just realized something, and this is going to be great because I'm sure I'm going to put this in the intro. You yeah. know, welcome to the eighth season or whatever. Right. So right. it's going to be old news for the listeners, but we just realized this right now <laughs> at 11:47 on a Thursday. But this is the beginning of our eighth season right. of the Kivecast. Yeah. Uh, no, the ninth season actually, Steve. Because this <laughs> right. is how ninth it breaks season. down. First yes. season was not tied into any characters, right? That was 12 episodes. Right. 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 And then second season was 12 backs. And then third season was 20 backs. The fourth season was the 21 back. The fifth season was 31 backs. The sixth season was the 32 back. The seventh season was the 41 back. The eighth season was the 45 back. And we're now in the three episode season of the ninth season of the 47 back. Yes. Actually, no, two. There's only two 47 backs. Yes. Only two <laughs> figures debuted on the 47 backs, Steve. Did you know that? Did you think about that? I mean, okay. I, I kind of think it was that, didn't similarly, think. yeah. That's weird. <laughs> that they would just so It say, was a weird time. Weird time. <laughs> they'd just be like, hey, oh, right. Bestman Security. I mean, uh, the TIE Fighter pilot. And Zuckus. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Because usually it was only for super special characters who got the limited. Oh, well, it, it gets even weirder. <laughs> Does it? Well, because isn't the next we got the the forty eight backs right? right. Is this going to be a one a one season or one episode season? <laughs> right, but that was at least a special offer. Like Yoda yeah, makes sense no, I got because yeah. they were keeping Yoda back, and Boba Fett makes sense because that was like right, the interstitial right. character. Yeah, and Forlom basically it's all about their confusion about those two characters. <laughs> yeah. And Forlom is the interstitial character yes. uh, between between the two movies. So yeah, this is weird. I would say the 47 debut is weird. And I would actually like to put that out there for all the people who listen and know more about Star Wars toys than we do. Why was the 47 back wave the introduction of only these two figures? Hmm. I mean, I guess it was just to, to, to pimp uh, Forlom. Yeah. Uh, pimp pimp Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> The new Kendrick Lamar album came out last week. It's very exciting. Ah. But you live in Los Angeles, so you must know that. Okay. So where were we? All so right. the 47 back tape market watch. This is the worst, Steve. I'm the worst it's to right. myself because I have to edit okay. this. That's okay. That's what I'll be doing spring break. Yes. I'm going to go down to Cabo. I'm just going to edit this podcast. Jeez. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a bad idea. All right. Um, okay. So back where we were before I, I got too excited. So we have an Empire Strikes Back 47 back, uh, four lom offer tie pilot, graded AFA 80. What, what's your what's your ballpark? Three hundred dollars. 
1225. $1,225? Yes. So a 47 back? Yeah, AFA 80. 80? That's not even good, right? <laughs> I I mean... Mm. <laughs> I, I, I'd say that deserves a couple of omans. I'm, I'm, I'm really out of my element. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, so... if you told me like five, I would have been like, all right, all right. I can't yeah. get that. Yeah, this this one was kind of a, a crazy one. Yeah, but, hey, here's a public service announcement: Don't buy Star Wars toys right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't anymore. No, not for you. <laughs> I mean, for our listeners. I mean, no, buy I Star Wars toys, but like, carded figures. Don't pay twelve hundred dollars for an Empire Strikes Back figure that's not Boba Fett. Mm. Or maybe do. You know what? Don't listen to me. I don't know. Right, well, maybe. this next one might might. Uh, this is kind of giving you some hints but it might okay. ease your your suffering slightly okay you ready yeah okay. so the next one we've got is a, a 48 a so this is an offerless empire which i i like i didn't really it's kind of nice to see the offerless tie pilot uh this one the condition it's it's not graded uh the condition looks okay i can see some yellowing of the bubble uh just the the seal not so much the bubble itself and it's got the punch popped out and looks like there might be a slight little Either tear or rip. It's hard to tell in the picture. Anyway, it's it's decently conditioned, not not spectacular, but it looks pretty good. So forty eight A. Guess what that would go for? Three hundred. Uh, this one went for one hundred and seven fifty. So hey, that, okay. that's like that's. I feel like that's okay, right? Yes. <laughs> not not great, but that's that's reasonable. <laughs> yes, you can buy a production carded figure of a tertiary character. For under two hundred bucks, go ahead and do that. When I say don't buy yeah. Star Wars figures, I don't mean don't buy them at all. But boy, yeah. if you're spending four figures, yeah, no, that's more than I sold my Snaggletooth proof for. Oh, don't uh, start thinking that. Yeah, it's okay. Because I got that <laughs> sweet. The funny thing is now the sweet the the sweet Meccano Chewy I got doesn't seem so crazy. Right. Yeah, hey, it's it's all about uh, perspective. Um, okay, so up next, uh, we're going for a Jedi card. So this is a uh, Return of the Jedi 65A. Uh, this one's graded AFA 80. Uh, it, the bubble looks like it's, the, the, just like the previous example, it's starting to yellow a bit. So it's a Return of the Jedi 65A AFA 80 TIE Pilot. $150. Okay, so this this was a 255 yeah, so <laughs> not not nearly as as off as you were on on exhibit A, but yes. yeah, okay. <laughs> so hey, that, that's it's a nice example that the grading thing, like we've always discussed, it has something to do with it. So um, okay, uh, up next, this will be this will be our last one. We've got uh, the tri logo. So this is an ungraded uh, Tie Pilot tri logo, which has uh, I. I it's one of those neat examples where they they use completely different uh, photo art for the uh, the packaging. Do you, what, what's your do you, you familiar with that that photo art for the tri logo? Yes, it's okay, super so purpley. Which, <laughs> which one do you like better? The type the, the, like, the tri logo. Yeah, crazy? okay. The tri logo is awesome. <laughs> it, it's a little bit more. Yeah, it's this is like it's like what I was saying. It's the type. It's like the Star Wars image. Yeah. So okay, yeah, uh, yeah, so this trailer. Yeah, it's a, it's a Star Wars image. I'm starting yeah. to come around. You know what always happens? I start to come around. We always come around. Yeah. 
Um, if I can, if I can get you to come around on the Imperial Dignitary, like five years from now, whenever that is, <laughs> I'll know that <laughs> we've we've made it. So well, if you, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> All right. So what, what do you think a, a tri logo uh, tie pilot? And this, it looks like the punch is still in there, but there's some creasing in the lower right corner of the card. Uh, I see. I don't know. I don't know the tri logos well enough to know if this is a rare one. Three hundred dollars. <laughs> you were almost on the money. Three hundred and five. Wow! All right. Hey, good job. <laughs> and again, the whole don't buy Star Wars toys. You can buy that one for three hundred bucks. That's okay. <laughs> that's acceptable. That's yeah. Not, that's not super crazy town. You know, because tri logos are 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 weird, and this is cool. Yeah. All right. So I see by the end there, you've kind of gone right back down the center. You feel like you you're stable. Yeah, I mean that's still a lot for a figure yeah. and everything, but it's sure. it's not yeah. Yeah. All right. So Cool. There you go. All that's, right. Uh, and there's our market courtesy. watch. Yeah, and we and like I've said before, like these these guys post will have a lot more uh, examples. I just like to try and choose a handful. Uh but yeah, so go check it out. It should be up soon after this show is. All right, Steve. Well let's uh let's do the feedback here. I definitely Want this to go quickly? <laughs> well, we we got to quite a bit of it, I think, throughout the rest of the show, so it should we be did. should be pretty painless. Yeah, yeah, we can't integrate it. You know what happened, Steve? I got a little bit dazed at the last one. I just somehow I wound up seeing the weak way on Chewy Trilogo miscard, <laughs> and I realized I forgot where that went. Uh oh! I haven't thought about this figure in probably six years. Oh, uh, yeah, you gonna have some trouble sleeping tonight? That? Kivecast at gmail.com if you know who has that piece. Because um, I remember they had it and they didn't want to sell it, but I don't think whoever has it still collects anymore. Mm. Um, that and, and and also the the Uzai Thai pilot artwork doesn't get credit as being one of the truly great Uzai artworks. That's um, true. And it's one of the great ones where they take out one of the letters to avoid copyright. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Imperial T E fighter pilot. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a drawing of a ship that is not a Tie fighter. No, it's a T E fighter. Yeah, it's a T E fighter, right? It's like this <laughs> yellowish ship, which it looks like my son would have drawn in in the margins of his uh, <laughs> of his notebook. Yeah. Um, which, uh, if we ever get Joe Iglesias back on the show, uh, maybe he'll talk to us about it. Yeah, his, I, was, I was hoping to. There's a his, lot of uh, a bootleg tie pilot connection. Yeah, his uh, his Kickstarter didn't make, so Steve, you and I get to save our 500 bucks. Um, but he is going to do it again, so right. um, we'll be back in it. We'll have him on to 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 pimp and parade that. So as far as uh, feedback goes, Steve, we got to a lot of it in the show, yes. and that right. was good. Um, Let's see. I think uh, the first one was from Dwayne, right? The first one we haven't gotten to yet. Yes, <clears throat> he just suggested that we call Sansweet's book the Genesis. So this is this is kind of funny. When I read this, I don't know if, if you go back and listen to the show. I kind of mumbled like Garth during that discussion <laughs> at Genesis, and I don't think anyone even heard me. So I think Dwayne was like, right on. That's like, that's the word that I thought of too. And I, I, I could have sworn I said it. So. The Genesis book. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I just kind of, I probably just mumbled it in there as you guys were were well, talking. Steve, I mean, you, you do have sort of the invisible touch, you know. <laughs> um, so. But no, it's it's a good word, right? I mean, yeah, it, that makes no, it's, sense. it's a good word. At the time, it's like I could feel it, you know, like coming in the air that night. But um, I just, yeah, it just seemed like it was maybe like kind of a studio sort of term, like not a real term, but mm. um, it works out. Yeah. Um, you don't catch what I'm doing, Steve. Uh, it's getting too late. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to I was trying to move in Phil Collins' lyrics because he, uh, he was in Genesis. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. And of course, you know the truth about Phil Collins, right? Uh, there's probably several truths. I don't know which one you're. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't have to do with gerbils. Um, no, he is a huge, gigantic collector of the Alamo. Like the Alamo? The Alamo. Like just... <laughs> yes. That's interesting. And similarly, Rod Stewart loves model trains. And like that is their burning passion. And like if we had an Alamo podcast, because oh, people go crazy for Alamo. You might, stuff. My dad would do an Alamo podcast. See, they should. <laughs> oh my God. Stephen B. <laughs> Denley and Phil C. Collins. Oh. Wait, 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 what, what's your dad's name? Mike. Mike, what's his middle name? Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would be yeah. that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I actually thought about trying to start a Lego Star Wars podcast. Hey, hey, that that is that. <laughs> I guess we have to go to that that awards page and yeah. see if, if one of those exists. But hey, because I was trying to think like maybe we could host it on the archive because it's not the vintage collector's archive; it's the collector's archive. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not. It's not set on vintage. So hey, we could <laughs> we could start the network, right? Because I I have a friend who's really into Lego, and I mean, I'll talk to him about buying a set, and he'll just be like. There's no point getting that set. There's only two unique pieces in it. Like what? Yeah, yeah, That's... yeah. Like he, 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 for every set that comes out, he knows what are the new pieces and what colors that, because he's like really into it. And okay. It's it's really pretty cool. He's a doctor, so he thinks that way. Um, so he dissuaded me from getting the Emperor's throne room because there's only one interesting <laughs> piece in the entire different piece. Thing. I'm seeing uh. that looking at the box, being like, it's like oh, the yeah. movie. <laughs> uh. Hey, you yeah. could be onto something there. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's just what I need to do. More, more, more podcasts that are yeah. not my job. Um, yeah. uh, which actually, uh, my job leads into this next thing. I just want to say one more thing. Hey, everybody, learn a language, okay? Knock it off with the "I don't need to learn a language." And for God's sake, tell your kids to learn languages. We need to have a smarter world. Do you know what they're doing in Florida, Steve? They're allowing you to waive your foreign language requirement. If really? You take an online class in computer coding. What? Wow. Steve, idiocracy is happening. It's and it's not for... happening because Donald Trump is going to get the thing. <laughs> it's because people are not learn the people are forgetting how to think. They think that they can just the computer will just think for them. They think the computer will make me speak another language. It won't. Learning a language is a whole different cognitive process that makes you a smarter, better person. And on top of that, increases your compassion, your empathy for other people. It makes you smarter, much like learning math and much like learning coding. And it's practical because you talk to hundreds of millions of more people. So yeah. knock it off, world, with this, I don't need to learn language. And this is proof. 
Mm. Brisbane, Brisbane <laughs> Mike sends us some auto translating because Facebook is all into their auto translating. Yes. How great yeah, it is! Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's not like the great. whole uh, Google Translate thing, but it's like integrated within Facebook now. Yeah, right. Which it's a dream. Okay, you think that that works? That's great. Let me tell you, what would it be like if you walked up to somebody and they only would talk to you after thirty seconds of waiting for their translator to work? <laughs> it's not going to do the work for you. It's yeah. it's like buying shoes that can dance for you. Mm. It's not going to work. No. So, anyways, so, this this is humorous though. We have to at yes. least uh, oh, let's look humorous. at some positive. It's humorous. <laughs> it's humorous in the way that like I'm sure. Yeah. It's as humorous as a grinning apocalypse can be. Um, so <laughs> this is an automatic translated from Swedish about. <laughs> Someone whose name we have not mentioned yet on this show, which we normally do three or four times, Matthias. <laughs> for Ivan to play. Uh, yes. And this is uh, what it says here. A new proof. Kenner Star Wars packaging design, 1977-1979. Matthias is a famous collector who offers speeches about Star Wars toys around the world. His first very own book is about how the new iconic for packings designing to the first toys came to be. <laughs> Concept Ningar, test pressure, interviews with Art Direction, as did the design, interviews with Kenner employees. All the first 21 old men are represented, from Luke Skywalker to Boba Fett. Take the opportunity to buy your ex at the fair, the only place in Sweden where you can buy it on the IRL. Happy to share with your friends more about more info about the fair at wsci-fi.world.se. <laughs> so take oh. the opportunity to buy your ex at the fair. Uh, I actually, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I I cooked dinner for my my ex-wife uh, here at the house. It was nice. Oh. Kids, all right, we all hung out. Tried to make like the the Danleys, you know, and uh, uh, it was good. Hey, nice. that's that's good to hear. I I, I bought her at the fair. And, uh, <laughs> All right, man. I have to say, like the the, the twenty one first old men just immediately just made me think of the <laughs> the nine old men from like the Disney animation <laughs> department. I don't know. That's the first thought, but it also it's like I don't know some weird like Knights Templar thing or yes. I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Yes, <laughs> referring to the. I wonder what that – yeah, the first 21 figures, the, the first 21 old men. Old men. men. And, and, uh, yeah, who knows? Yep. <laughs> uh, so, what else do we got? That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, then, I guess, yeah, the last last episode – We think had your, a ton your, of response. Your goal of, of getting the book some, some uh, exposure and, and appreciation definitely paid off. Yes, because people were coming out of everywhere saying, yes, that book was great. I uh, pre-ordered it. I think Menzinger, Mike Menzinger said he pre-ordered it and was waiting for it to come out. And a lot yeah, of people said that's what kicked it off. A lot of people said, I've never even seen it, and they ordered it. And, yeah. and uh, I think the idea of having it as being the Genesis book, uh, I think that took off. And yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it's kind of like the, the, the Blue Snaggletooth and Bosk. It's obvious. <laughs> it's right there. But it helps yeah. to say it. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. So that yeah, that was a, that was a great episode. It was fun to fun to put together, and I think this one will be as well, Steve. This is yes. the last month that Space Freaks will not have to hear about baseball statistics. Mm -hmm. Because brace uh, yourselves, we're getting ready. I have my new team name, Steve. Have you seen it? 
Oh god. Um I don't know if I've seen it yet. I signed up, but I haven't really as you would expect paid any attention since then. Yes. <laughs> uh, My team what do you what's your team uh, this year? Vita Blue Harvest. <laughs> uh. So keeping with this it has to be specific to Star Wars vintage and old baseball players. Yes. So, uh, after Johnny Bench shot, Freddie Cromelin, Babe Proof. Uh, I think those were all of them. Uh, so. All right, right on. cool, Steve. Well, uh, next month, the figure will be Zuckus. Uh Yes, right. Uh, the only other 47-pack figure. <laughs> and... Uh, Maybe 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 we'll talk to some uh, some people we don't usually talk to. I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Star Wars figures. All right. And uh, Wampa Wampa. Chewbacca. Adios. And Princess Leia. They're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with its colorful Star Wars picture display pack and.